CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. It is Wednesday, July 10th. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, Jacobin Magazine writer Micah Uterich returns, legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson is back, and also making her return, our good friend and activist, Samina Mustafa. Now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, hello everybody, Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this the Voters Aren't That Stupid Wednesday, and here's why. So for the last couple weeks, D, I've been real, uh, last couple days I should say, but really thinking about Donald Trump's environmental speech. I talked about it yesterday, I'll be talking about it today, I'll probably be talking about it tomorrow. I find this fascinating. And not just the speech itself. I'm more interested in what led Donald Trump to give that speech. So one more time, folks, here's what went down. There was a memo delivered to Donald Trump by Frank Luntz, who's the pollster for the Republican Party, and it essentially said, hey, boss, You can win this election if you convince swing voters that you care about the environment. You don't really have to do anything uh, proactive to save the environment. You don't have to, uh, you know, uh, enact some environmental protection laws. You don't have to hire more enforcement people. You don't have to bring back the scientists that you let go. You don't have to replace the, uh, the corporate hacks that you put in charge of regulating the environment uh, with people who really care about that. You don't have to do any of that. All you got to do is give a speech pretending that you care about the environment. And Trump said, okay, sounds good to me. So the other day he gave an environmental speech, which amounted to the environment is great. That's, that's pretty much all he figured he had to do. And I can understand why they would have this opinion. I come from the city of Chicago, and in the city of Chicago, Democratic Democratic leaders uh, for a long time have had a very low estimation of the intelligence of the people in the city of Chicago, which is why they continually tell them things like, we have not raised your taxes, your property taxes, even though everybody is paying more every year. So you have to ask yourself, well, if you haven't raised my property taxes, why do my property taxes keep going up? And then they say, ah, don't ask questions. You're acting like that guy, Ben, from The Reader. Asking too many questions, caring too much about the details. Anyway, obviously, Republicans in Washington have the same attitude about their constituents as Democrats have about theirs in the city of Chicago. So, uh, so Trump gives his environmental speech. Blunt says, that's all you have to do. And the voters will fall in line. And this gets me thinking about what I really want to talk about, D story in today's bright one look at that newspaper oh, yeah. listeners 
Sue Rezin, State Senator Sue Rezin, joins Republican field aiming aiming to topple Underwood in the 14th Congressional District. One more time, Lauren Underwood, a Democrat from Naperville, is the newly elected congresswoman from the 14th Congressional District. She defeated a Republican for years and years. That district was represented by a Republican, and she ran a very spirited campaign in 2018 and took advantage of, among other things, voters' interest uh, in the suburban area for health care. She's a leader in that uh, front. And the environment. Okay, so in other words, the voters in the 14th Congressional District sent a signal by electing Lauren Underwood, at least on the issue of the environment, that just giving one speech isn't going to convince them that Donald Trump or Republicans care about the environment. I mean, you can't give a speech saying the environment's great and then spend the rest of your presidency saying climate change is a hoax concocted by the Chinese to undermine our economy. Folks in the 14th Congressional District, I don't think, are going to fall for that. Now, uh, Sue Rezin, State Senator Sue Rezin, who is running, uh, now she will run against Underwood, says in this article, quote, this is a conservative dis- district that never should have been, been lost in the last election cycle. Most of all, I want to restore the mainstream conservative representation to this congressional district. As I recall, Sue Rezin ran against our good friend, Heidi Henry, in the last uh, hey, state Heidi. area. <laughs> Heidi will be here on Friday. And... Uh, I, I wished I had lived in that uh, state Senate district to vote for Heidi Henry. For like a week. Yeah. Then you'd move <laughs> Long back to enough Chicago. to vote for Heidi, all right? Because she was unafraid to say what she is with New Deal Democrat, uh, with progressive ideas on things like regulating the environment so we don't destroy our state and our planet for that matter. So the challenge to Sue Resins of the world is this. Will she have the courage to break from Donald Trump on the issue of the environment and uh, propose and support regulations that protect us. Because I believe the voters want to hear that. I'm going to go on a limb here, folks. I've defended the intelligence of voters in the city of Chicago for many, many years in the face of a lot of uh, different opinions uh, from the elected officials here. I'm going to go on a limb here, D. Go on that limb. At the risk of sounding naive... I'm betting that suburban voters in the 14th Congressional District are a lot smarter than Donald Trump or Sue Rezin think they are. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson will be in here. He's ready to talk Trump, 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 and the Confederate flag. I think there's gonna we're going to be talking about that, too, uh, with Monroe Anderson. Samina Mustafa will be in the studio. Uh, Michael Utrecht will be here as well from Jacobin. Samina, a great activist from the north side of Chicago, will be talking about... I think there's going to be a lot of Nancy Pelosi talk uh, in this studio today, D. I may have oh, to defend boy. Nancy Pelosi because I know that Samita and Mike are up in arms. Oh, and we know that you love her. I, <laughs> hold on. Where's my lunchbox? Oh, there's my. Uh, no, Nancy said a few controversial things to Maureen Dowd in an interview in the New York Times this Sunday. And. Um, it's got folks up in arms. We'll be talking about that with Samina and Micah. Is there enough room in the Democratic Party for the, uh, oh, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez's of the world and the Nancy Pelosi's? I think there is. And we'll see what Samina and Micah have to say on that and many other issues. A lot of political talk ahead of us. But before we do any of that, the doctor with the news. Name's Dennis. Here we go, everybody. It's the middle of the day. And holy crap, it's hot out in Chicago. It's 
Good Lord. Let's talk about the national news happening this afternoon. (laughs) With exactly one week to go until special counsel Robert Mueller's public testimony before Congress, House Democrats are now seeking testimony from two, count them two, former prosecutors on the special counsel Robert Mueller's team. The Justice Department has recommended the deputies not to testify, according to the New York Times. Ben, what are you hoping to hear from Robert Mueller next week? Well, I'm oh, he- and let us not forget uh, all of that word salad he served up the last time he spoke in public about uh, his Russian collusion investigation. Very wordy and very weird. Yes, and I'm hoping that that's you. You you stole my thunder there, D. Great minds think alike. Oh. We spend so much time together. Now you th- see what I'm going to say before I say it. Chicken. <laughs> You're going to say it's chicken. Oh yeah, for, uh, the bulls. <laughs> Yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah, the movie Yesterday. By the way, Leah, for 10 trivia points, the actress in Yesterday, what? <laughs> he always kills when he does. What other favorite movie of mine did she star in? I don't know if it's a favorite of yours, but yeah. a favorite of mine, Baby Driver. Yes! <laughs> yeah, she's like, dude, I've only known you for like a month or two, so. Uh, I, yeah, you weren't on the show and I was just raving about Baby Driver. I've seen it three times, I want to say. And um, yeah, anyway, a tangent within a tangent. By the uh, way, the name of your next podcast should be A Tangent Within a Tangent yes. with Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> uh, yeah, because many tangents on the Ben Jarofsky show. Oh, yes, exactly right. I would like to hear a definitive declarative sentence out of the mouth of Robert Mueller that actually you know exactly what he's saying instead of talking in riddles. Robert Mueller, when he starts talking, sounds like a Bob Dylan song. You know what I'm saying? You don't know really what he's saying, but you think it's saying something significant. Bob Dylan. You don't like Dylan? No. (laughs) It's actually not a bad imitation. Uh, (laughs) It's very weird. Uh, folks, just I'm gonna let that one fly over. I love Bobby D. Uh, but Bobby I will say, D. I will say that your imitation of him is uh, like a Rolling Stone. Yeah. Uh, anyway, when I when I read Dylan's lyrics and listen to his songs, I'm like, I think I know what he's saying, but I'm not quite sure I know what he's saying. And then I kind of think that he does it on purpose to confuse me and make me think like it's like even deeper than it actually is. And that's kind of Muller's same way. It's like, huh? I think I know what you're saying, but I'm not quite sure. So just say a. Straight up sentence, dude. Tell us exactly what you think. Here. Got the Oh, he's got the Mueller report. I got the <laughs> I got the Mueller report. Was it collusion? All right. I don't know. Was uh, it, you read the Mueller report? Is it as wordy as that speech was last time? Uh well, no, it's it's actually easier to understand mm. the Mueller report. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The Trump was up to his eyebrows and wheeling and dealing with the Russians as they were stealing emails from the Democrats to undercut Hillary Clinton's campaign by ginning up a fight between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, a fight in the Democratic Party that exists to this day. We'll be talking about the that fight in many ways uh with Micah and Samina. So absolutely. Trump was working with the Republicans to, uh, excuse me, Trump was working with the Russians to undermine the Democrats. Absolutely. Then the only issue is, is that treason? Is it treason? Is it it treason Uh, if you encourage Russian hackers to uh, go into computers and steal emails and then release them? I don't know. That's what I'd like to hear Mueller's thoughts on that, huh, D? Yeah. Yeah, that would be something like people could really talk about. But no, he's going to talk in riddles and rhymes like Bobby D. Oh, man, you know, uh, the sand lens of my time and my eyes and whatever. And you have a good Bob Dylan. And you can't sing. So (laughs) I think that means Bob Dylan can't sing. 
Yes, no, I can't sing at all. Bob Dylan sings a little better than me. By the way, I saw the Bob Dylan documentary, A Tangent Within a Tangent Within a Tangent, uh, by Martin Scorsese on Netflix. I urge absolutely everyone who's a Bob Dylan fan to run, don't walk, to see it. Uh, but if you're not a Bob Dylan fan, do not waste your time. <laughs> all right, in other news, we have a Ditch Mitch update. Oh, yeah, and I'm what into this. And what we've already known to be obvious mm-hmm. may have officially been confirmed. Everybody hates Mitch McConnell. <laughs> Wait, please do your Mitch McConnell imitation, please. <laughs> you got to admit, man, the guy's got a good Mitch McConnell imitation. <laughs> Something eaten. Amy McGrath, the Democrat retired Marine fighter pilot who announced Tuesday that she is running to unseat Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and in only the first 24 hours after she announced it has raised $2.5 million. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell is weighed in. <laughs> oh, what is Trump scared? Saying? He's scared. <laughs> Very scared. Wait, wait, now do everybody's reaction. All right, put what? a quarter in the jukebox, Lisa, buddy. Lisa Simpson. Not, I, I do Marge, uh, not did, Lisa. <laughs> what did Marge say? What, what would she say about what? Uh, about Amy McGrath uh, raising two million. Oh, she's going to be great. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Where is this show going? <laughs> Uh, that's a great march. During the, the no, it's not. <laughs> During the 2018 midterms, Amy McGrath narrowly lost a bid for the House of Representatives. Oh, and about that Donald Trump Fourth of July bash last week. <laughs> yes. According to the Washington Post, Donald Trump's Fourth of July event cost the D.C. government $1.7 million mm. and an amount that, when combined with other related expenses from the weekend, has completely drained a fund used to, quote, this is what the Washington Post says, protect the nation's capital from terrorist threats and provide security at events such as rallies and state funerals. In a letter to the president on Tuesday, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser warned that the fund has now been depleted and is estimated to be running a $6 million deficit by September 30th. The mayor also noted that the account was never reimbursed for $7.3 million in expenses from Trump's 2017 inauguration. Yeah, well, you know what, Donnie, if you have any class, you would dip into your enormous reservoir of money. And just write a check. Come on, you wanted to have the party? You wanted to celebrate yourself under the pretense of celebrating the United States? It's uh, what? It's a 4th of July, so go ahead. You should spring for it, huh, D? It's like picking up the check at a, at a, at a, at a restaurant, right? I think that's what he should do. I think he should uh, pick up the check and uh, write a personal check to uh, Mayor Bowser right now. Now, of course, we will keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along because we're moving along, people. And coming up after the short little break, we're going to find out what's going on locally. We're going to find out what else is news. Don't go anywhere. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Today's Ben Jarofsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Discover the breadth and majesty of Chicago's architecture on a Chicago Architecture Center bus tour. From bungalows to Bauhaus, our expert docents will share the fascinating stories behind our city's architecture. Book your tour at architecture.org tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a bus tour right now. Oh, my. Look at that wonderful piece of architecture.
Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash IL dash resident. It's Chicagoland's adult entertainment playground. It's the world famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter welcome back to the ben Jarofsky show live from the chicago sun times yes indeed we are live and guess what we're talking about yesterday the movie yesterday oh yeah lee and i love yesterday i bumped into romana today romana will be here friday guess who else loves yesterday romana oh no way <laughs> yeah how can you not love the beatles man so anyway everybody run don't walk not during the well, show. Take, take your time. It's hot outside. Don't oh, run yeah, anywhere. Yeah. Okay, what yeah. are you trying to do to these listeners? Yeah. We're about to find out what's going on locally. It's time for what else is news. Illinois. Yep. We're still divided. Thanks for nothing, Confederate Railroad. More on that in a moment. But first, citizens of Chicago, do not go for a swim in the Humboldt Park Lagoon. <laughs> Sam, Mike is all over this story. Please man. do not. Yeah, yeah. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and one Cindy Hernandez. A few dozen people gathered at the Humboldt Park Lagoon Wednesday morning to watch as efforts resume to capture an alligator mm-hmm. that has been spotted in the water the day before. Holy cow, we do not know how to handle an alligator here in Chicago here. Local Wrangler. Try and guess what this guy's name is. Uh, I did see it in the bright one. Uh, Billy Bob. <laughs> You're very close. Yeah. Very close, it's actually. P- alligator Bob. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, man. Alligator Bob. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, let's <laughs> Can't get this guy last name, man, huh, we, sometimes? We got to get him in the show. This dude sounds like a perfect guy, I guess, for the show. Let it's me find the story. so funny. Yeah. Not, yeah. We, alligator. What was that? Who put an alligator there? I don't know. Nobody knows. That's the great mystery. How did the alligator get into the Humble Park Lagoon? It's such a random occurrence for an alligator to be in Chicago, and we call this guy Alligator Bob. <laughs> he set traps earlier in the day, and the alligator at one point was spotted swimming near a duck in the water. <laughs> Holy cow. Wait, time out. Was this today? This is an this update. Is today. This is an update oh. on, uh, yeah. Breaking news. Gatorgate. <laughs> Gatorgate. Here's Alligator Bob. Dude, I wish I can give you your last name here, but they don't have it. Here's Alligator Bob. Quote, this animal is safe right now. But if we lose him, when we try to get him in the trap, he's going to be one vicious animal. He's going to do anything he can because he's never been trapped before. Alligator Bob, you're freaking us all Wait, out. Wait, time out. Maybe his first name is Alligator and his last name is Bob. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's just born Mr. To do this. Bob. <laughs> you know? I, could oh, no, be. I'm sure he's from Florida and he's just like Bob Jones, but he comes to Chicago. Oh, Alligator Bob. You know what they're going to call that thing? What? Poke Salad Annie. Now, there's a well, song from way back when that I'm the only one. Poke Salad Annie. Gator got your granny. Millennials, he doesn't want you listening. <laughs> Generation Z. I don't oh think there's. I don't even think baby boobers know that song. I'm the only one that knows that. Gator got your granny. Oh, God. Hang tight, Millennials. <laughs> His daddy okay. was working on a chain. Please stop. <laughs> no, sorry, we'll keep you posted on Gator Gate uh, as updates become available here. That gator, just don't go swimming in that water, all right? Don't go fishing. <laughs> just stay away. What from about the, the duck? The poor duck. Uh, poor duck. 
<laughs> How did the gator get in there, man? We got Micah said I he he texted me earlier. Micah from Jacobin will be here. Usually he's talking politics, but he's been all over this story. Oh, okay. he's been all over it, he, huh? He was at a humble park. <laughs> Coming up. <laughs> On the Ben Jarofsky Show, a Gator Gate update with Michael Uterich. Yeah, yeah. He's got the scoop, man. Holy cow, the story's awesome. All right, moving on. A $15 minimum wage, a fair tax legislation on the ballot, legal recreational marijuana, and a $45 billion infrastructure plan. Just that list of J.B. Pritzker's accomplishment in his first years alone really does uh, make you open your eyes and make you realize... Holy crap, that last governor was awful. Yeah, he was awful. Illinois Governor Bruce Rauner. But you'd better believe that the following news we are about to read on this program would have never happened under Bruce Rauner's watch. Absolutely. The country rock band Confederate Railroad has been banned from the Illinois State Fair. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and one John O'Connor. I'm sure I've seen John O'Connor in the bathroom a time or two. <laughs> don't know who he is. Thanks for that little aside. I bet bet I've seen him in there. We're right by the bathrooms, guys. Yeah, we are. Country Mm -hmm. rock band Confederate Railroad (laughs) has been barred from performing at an Illinois State Fair because its use of the Confederate flag. The logo for the Grammy-nominated band, known for acoustic ballads such as Ben's favorite, Jesus and Mama... As well as not Ben's favorite, not mine either, Trashy Women features a steam engine from which waves dual Confederate Navy jacks whose stars and bars are the most widely recognized symbol of the Confederacy. The band was scheduled to appear at uh, August 27th at the DeCoin State Fair, but Governor J.B. Pritzker's administration canceled the appearance last week. Here's the quote from Pritzker spokeswoman Emily Bittner, quote, This administration's guiding principle is that the state of Illinois will not use state resources to promote symbols of racism. Symbols of hate cannot and will not represent the values of the land of Lincoln. Members of the band have also responded to uh, the canceling of the Confederate Railroad show. By the way, it was $7,500. That's how much uh, they're going to charge there 7500 bucks of the band to get back that's the full amount the group was promised to play the fair bid before we go any further what are your thoughts well time out i okay this is one of those news stories that i missed because it wasn't on my beloved bright one home delivered in other words it's breaking news or maybe the bright one didn't think it was important enough to put it in the newspaper yeah, so anyway, I bet that one because it was so, about this one comes from about 17 hours ago so um I'm, you know, at a disadvantage here because I'm weighing in without not knowing uh, all the details I should know, which, of course, never stopped me before. Uh, But uh, as a general principle, uh, I I think that's uh, not a good idea for the state of Illinois to promote acts that uh, feature the Confederate flag. This is my personal belief. I would really love to hear what Monroe Anderson has to say on this. Uh, But the Confederate flag was the flag that flew over the army that was fighting in a civil war uh, to retain slavery and as such it has a horrific uh, symbol symbolic uh, uh, meaning and resonance in this country today as we're still struggling with the legacy of slavery uh, so I, I applaud Pritzker for doing this I know my friends of the conservative persuasion are already lined up against me on this uh, to denounce me uh, for uh, intruding on their right for free expression and uh, I welcome this discussion a larger discussion on this with Monroe because it's one of my favorite themes about how people on the right feel that they have a uh, First 
Amendment protected right to insult anybody, to aggravate anybody, and waving the Confederate flag in front of a lot of people is a form of insulting and aggravating, uh, and it's very demeaning. And yet, if you are anyway intrude on their personal beliefs in a way that offends them, then they're outraged. They want action. So I feel uh, what goes around comes around. And uh, on this particular point, I think you should be consistent. And this is a very offensive symbol. So I do not blame, uh, particularly we're in the land of Lincoln. Good Lincoln, as in Abraham Lincoln, as the president of the United States during the Civil War, who fought to maintain uh, the Union. Uh, we are the land of Lincoln. So. Uh, you know, and D, I have to say, I have a confession to make. You love this band. Uh, <laughs> no, I have all of their albums. I knew it. I knew it. I had never heard of the band until you told me about this. I'm no. like, had you ever heard of them before? I've heard of them. I don't know their music, you know. Uh, I'm from Southern Illinois, not uh, Southern America. <laughs> well, some people might say they're, you know, Southern Illinois is a little further south than i'm from but uh, i'd never heard of them before uh and uh, what's their response did you say what, what, what well, we got this guy joe mckinney who was contacting confederate railroad about performing at his family's banquet uh, facility in desoto mm. uh, because of the group's popularity he said the band has never used the flag to fan racial strife he says quote it's just their logo it's just their southern pride uh, and he says here, uh, in the southern part of the state, we suffer from a lot of decisions made from Chicago. In addition to trying to bring the people what they want, we're also trying to prove a point to northern Illinois. You don't own everything. Okay, see, th those are two separate issues. I mean, yeah, you want us to take a political stand against the northern part of the state. I don't know what issue. I mean, I remember Rauner doing this. Remember, he, went down, he used to go down and say, I'm going to keep him from passing marijuana laws. Remember uh, that, D? Uh. That was the big stand he was going to do. So you find a political issue, if you live in southern Illinois, that you disagree with people in northern Illinois. But what does that have to do with waving the Confederate flag? How is it southern pride? Why don't you read about the Confederate flag and read about the Civil War and Think about the war uh, to uphold the right to own people as your slaves. I mean, it, if you just study history a little bit, you might have a different perspective. Find another issue in which to declare your independence from Chicago. I don't know. That reefer. Remember, that was the big issue that Rauner was going to run on. And to this day, I still think I would have out uh, polled Rauner in Southern Illinois uh, with my position on marijuana. I think I'm more in line with people in Southern Illinois in that one. Oh, yeah, you are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, You dude. are, dude. All, All right. right. So Confederate Railroad has issued a statement after uh, uh -huh. they've been dropped from the DeCoin Fair. And uh, by reading the statement, these guys aren't like total douchebags. You know what I mean? Like they're they're pretty reasonable here other I mean, than the confederate I mean, flag part the flag and their name they're <laughs> yeah. not like you know <laughs> other than that yeah they're not like you know raising a hell about it here okay it says here as many of you know we were scheduled to perform at the illinois state fair in decoin illinois on august 27 along with our friends restless heart and shenandoah we have since been removed from that show by the Illinois Department of Agriculture because of the name of our band. This was very disappointing as we've played this fair before and enjoyed it very much. The outpouring of support from Confederate Railroad fans, fans of other acts, and the public in general has been overwhelming and very much appreciated. I would also like to thank the actors, athletes, and fellow country music artists who have been spoken out uh, who have spoken out in support. It has been brought to my attention that several people have asked both Restless Heart and Shenandoah to cancel their shows and pro protest of our cancellation. I've spoken to both acts and encouraged them to perform as scheduled. Live uh, concerts are how we pay our bills and feed our families. I would never want to see another act lose a payday because of this. Please go out to hear these two great bands. As I've said many times on stage, I am 
uh, by no means a saint, but I am a man of faith and I have faith that God will see us through this as well as whatever comes next. Thank you for your support. All right, wait, time out. Is this, is this a one man band? No, it's uh, the singer of the band. Oh, okay. So he kept saying, I, I, I. I was like, wow, it's a one-man band. I didn't know that. Uh, well, I, I just listened to what, what you said, and I don't think that the objection is to the name. The objection is to the flag. Am I correct about that? Yeah. Okay, so the uh, the singer wrote, he goes, you know, they, they're like censoring us because of our name, or they're, they're banning us because of our name. And I don't think that's the case. Uh, I think it has to do with the flag, uh, not the name. So anyway, just a correction there. Yeah, I'm helping the guy write his little statement. D, okay and i agree with them the other two bands yeah of all the issues to fall uh, on the sword for i don't know defending the right of this band to display the confederate flag in the state of illinois the land of lincoln the state of illinois that is wrestling with the issues that are legacies of slavery to this day that's a lot of other issues I think you could stand up for. And now, of course, because it's 2019 and everyone has the Internet, <laughs> this decision has caused quite a few Southern Illinois and Confederate Railroad fans or more than likely Illinoisans who've never heard any song from the band but love to complain about Democrats on the Internet <laughs> to weigh in. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, let's be honest. Yeah. In fact, there's now a face group about it titled Hashtag Boycott DuCoin State Fair. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, everybody. I had a cough there. Mm -hmm. All right. So hashtag the uh, <laughs> coin state fair. I got I got the website pulled up here. We'll read some statements. Go ahead. From hashtag uh, <laughs> boycott the coin state fair. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. Mm -hmm. Confederate Railroad. Okay. Well, that's not one. Uh, here we okay. go. Hold on one second. I got a cough again. Oh, down uh, with it. Yeah. Down with right. something. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Here we go. Let's see. This was such a bad business decision. All they did was guarantee that mass amounts of money are going to be lost. Being a small business owner, it breaks my heart that this decision is going to hurt the vendors that have absolutely no involvement in this. Like I said on a different post, I'm old enough to make my own decisions. Oh, he's old like you. I'm old <laughs> enough to make my own decisions on what is in my best interest, and I'm appalled that this happened. Where is this going to stop? What else are they going to deem in our best interest? Food? TV stores? I feel this is the beginning of our end. Wow of our end that's kind of extreme what i would uh suggest that anybody who uh, is upset by uh, this think about something that would really offend them a lot like a symbol or a flag that would really be offensive to them and then ask yourself how you would feel if the state of illinois sanctioned that uh to fly uh, at your fair okay just think about it just put yourself in somebody else's shoes for once and just think about that all right. Uh, per usual, it's Wednesday. Hey, Leah, any word from Monroe Anderson? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, you know, he says he's on his way and he's ready to weigh in on this Confederate flag. All right. Thing, all right. right. We'll read more of these comments until Monroe Anderson gets here. Once again, we are reading the Facebook page. Hashtag boycott DuCoin State Fair. Boy, this band hasn't really had a hit in like 20 years. Wait, They're probably overwhelmed. So, yeah, I just need to understand it. Have do you know any of their songs? No, I don't know any of their songs. So until you saw this, had you ever heard of them? I've heard of them. You just I've heard like of this, them. this logo. I've seen this logo before. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. I've never like, you know, I've I never had any buddies. The, is the Confederate flag in the logo? Yeah. Confederate. Here, I'll show it to you. Real oh, quick. wow. Okay. Wow. This Confederate is flags in the logo. Okay. Hold on. I'm looking at the logo right now. Oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> Confederate flags in the logo. Come on. Confederate Railroad. 
Oh, I mean, it's man. not like they're a new band. Yeah, it's true. They've been God. around for a while. Yeah, it's true. It's times are changing. Those you know? things are called cans, by the way. Oh, yeah, I know. What are they putting on there? All right, let's see here. Uh, so I guess Monroe is on his way. We'll read one more here. Right. Let's see. Shame on you. And this is all caps to coin state fair manager. I'm not going to say the guy's name for banning Confederate Road uh, from the state fair. You arrogant piece of OK. Hey, great. wait a minute. All Time right, out. I don't great. think it was the manager. It was Pritz. Wasn't it Pritzker made him do it? It says the Pritzker administration. Yeah, I. I, uh, so why are you mad at the manager? <laughs> Whatever. All right. I guess that's it. And uh, just like that, you're now in the know of what's going on locally. And it, stay away from Humboldt Park Lagoon. And now you'll have an answer the next time someone asks you, hey, what else is news? Let me tell you something. Tell me. Something that Alligator Bob. Oh, hey, Alligator Bob. Something that Abraham Lincoln. Oh, cool. And Robert E. Lee. They all agree. You did a great job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. We'll have Monroe Anderson here when we return. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T, dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Back to the Ben. Oh, is that an alligator? <laughs> no, okay. Sorry. It's just my backpack. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun Times. Yes, indeed. We're waiting for Monroe Anderson to come in the studio. By the way, did we talk about that alligator? Here's a trivia question for you, all right? Oh. All right. Now, uh, what. Uh, <laughs> Let's hear it. Uh, in, in the movie. Um, Oh, Monroe Anderson is here. Swung oh, that door open, buddy. Time. Uh, what is that movie called? Crocodile Dundee. Uh, no, uh, I just blank. Oh, so in the movie Smoking the Bandit. Yes. All right. Burt uh, Reynolds. Which, yeah. 
Okay, who is the actor that plays the truck driving confederate? The use of the word confederate there is not the line with the the states that rebelled against the union. Name the actor. Monroe Anderson's here. <laughs> I wasn't in it. Uh, you were, did you ever see Smokey and the Bandit? Uh, maybe. Uh, that was from the 70s. Anyway, it's the guy who sang Poke Salad Annie. Oh, really? Yeah. Jeff, whatever his name is. We've lost all the Jerry something. Jerry something or other. Anyway. Poke Salad Annie. Gators got your granny. Uh, I'm singing that song, Monroe, because there's been an alligator spotted in the Humboldt Park Lagoon. Have you oh. seen that story in my oh. beloved bright one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for and, sure. And, and the good thing about it? is at Taste of Chicago, which just started today. Okay, this is going to be offensive, I'm sure. <laughs> They're selling uh-huh. alligator sausages. Oh, the one that got away. Yeah. <laughs> it's in uh, the lagoon. Alligator sausages. Are you making that up? No. Oh. No, 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 seriously. I've never it, had it was, that. It was on GN News. Ah, noon, okay. And um, the guy who's selling them joked and said, well... If he caught the alligator, he, he could serve him, too. Um, yep, that's that'll be a good put use to that alligator. All right, Monroe, now I get, 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 have to get you to weigh in on this controversy. The Confederate Railroad, it was a group I've never heard of, I must confess, uh, until Dennis read the news item to me. It wasn't my beloved bright one. It's a breaking news story. There's a group yeah. called the Confederate Railroad. I'm not making this up. Uh, and in their logo, they have an image of the Confederate flag. And they were signed a contract to play at the Illinois State Fair downstate. DeCoin. In DeCoin. Have you ever been to DeCoin? Never been to DeCoin. I've never been to DeCoin. How do you spell it? D-U-Q-U-O-I-N. Okay, I've never been there. Anyway, so uh, at the State Fair in DeCoin, uh, and the Pritzker administration, according to this article, am I getting this correct, because I don't have it in front of me, said uh, they cannot perform because they have the Confederate flag in their logo, and uh, many of their fans from Southern Illinois are outraged by this and feel that this is an unwarranted government intrusion uh, into their rights to hear music that they love and Confederate Railroad's rights to play music that they love. Uh, your thoughts on this subject, please. Anything Confederate flag, I hate. However, I'm also I have mixed emotions about this because I'm not sure that we should be censoring um, artistic groups that tightly. Um, there was this lawsuit I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with where this Asian group was very popular. Yes. And um, they their name was the Slants. Yes. They were and, being ironic. Yeah, right. Exactly. And they... They couldn't copyright that. Mm-hmm. They, they, um, and they couldn't, whatever music groups have to do, but they, they had to go to court because they had a ruling that said um, no derogatory um, names of, of So groups. let me ask you this. For years, you were uh, a press secretary to Eugene Sawyer. Yes. And, um, God, imagine this. If you were the press secretary to J.B. Pritzker yeah. and you're confronted with this, what would advice would you give him? Um, I think what I do is 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 let them play, but denounce them in the name and the flag. Look the other way. No, I didn't. I did. Yeah, no, yeah. I let them play, but I I'd hold a press conference saying that um, there have been people who didn't want these guys to play because. They have this Confederate flag, which is offensive mm-hmm. to African Americans in particular, 
and to good Americans in general, <laughs> real Americans in general. Uh, but since they, you know, uh, but because there is a freedom of speech Matt, issue here, I- issue here that we're going to let them go wow. with it. Well, you're very tolerant. Uh, I have to give yeah, you credit no, for no, that. You're no, very tolerant. You. Because speaking of when I was press secretary, mm-hmm. I was embroiled in that Harold Washington painting with him in the underwear. Absolutely. Let's, yeah. it, let's talk about that for a because our, our millennial uh, listeners weren't even born then. Right. Uh, but uh, there was an, a young artist at the uh, Art Institute who uh, painted uh, a painting of Harold Washington. It's, this is shortly after Harold had died, so yeah, things were raw. Exactly. Uh, in underwear, right? It was, right, exactly. uh, I have a vivid uh, memory of it vaguely in my mind. Yeah, and, and it in, was in, in, in ladies' underwear. In ladies' underwear. Yeah, and panties and bra. Uh, was there a brazier? Was he yeah. wearing a brazier? Oh, yeah. And um, it was on display at a student art show at the Art Institute. This is my memory of yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And um, several aldermen, I want to say Bobby Rush, Alderman Bobby Rush and Dorothy Tillman led the charge. Dorothy and was it Bobby or... Well, whatever, it doesn't matter, but several black black aldermen uh, protested vehemently. And if my recollection is correct, they actually went to the Art Institute and took the painting off the wall. Am I right about that? And poor Eugene Sawyer was mayor of the city of Chicago. May he rest in peace. Right. Uh, and uh, there was an outcry from uh, the anti-Hare Washington white people in the yeah, city were course. looking for anything they could. Like, all of a sudden, they right. were advocates of free expression. Right, right. Uh, and uh, so what was your advice? What was your counsel to it, Eugene Sawyer? Actually, it was my fault. I mean, literally, it was my fault that um, we didn't resolve it quicker than that. Um, this is what Sawyer told me after the fact, because... I heard about it, mm-hmm. bef- um, and I didn't think anything about it. You know, I mean, it's because I'm an artist, and an artist preach. I'm married to an artist, so um, I thought, okay, well, this is what artists do. They write, they they do stuff to provoke, mm-hmm. make you think. So I, I didn't think anything about it. In the first thing in the morning, by midday, it was explosive. Yeah, you know, I saw your says to me. He says. If you had told me about this earlier, I could have resolved it. I would have just called the Art Institute and asked them to take it down or mm-hmm. something, you know, just, just because it was going to be a problem. Yeah. And we didn't do it, so it was a problem. Yeah, yeah. it was a big problem. But yeah. you, you raise a very good point, and I'm thinking it through now uh, a little bit. In other words, uh, if it's a provocative symbol, it's an offensive symbol, right? Uh, the Confederate flag. Yes. Um, but the state of Illinois sanctioned them to go there. And so at this stage to come back and say, oh, you can't perform there. We're going to take your uh, we're going to ban you from the stage. Um, it seems like their attempt to cover up uh, the, the mistake they made in the first place right. by inviting them. Yeah. Although, is that a mistake at all? I mean, then you get in the issue of, well, they're popular. People love their music. Yeah. Uh, shouldn't you just tolerate an offensive flag? You know, in the case of the slants, they were being ironic. But see, it, I don't know the lyrics to their songs. You know, if it's lynch a black man, lynch a black man, <laughs> I then, I, then I might not tolerate yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> 
but, but, don't but, think that's in their lyrics. But you know, but if it's just simple hillbilly music, then what? What? what so what? I, I I have no idea. I never heard of the band, and Dennis was the one who introduced you know, me to the topic. But this does raise one of my favorite topics. I actually wrote about it for the reader this week, and that is the double standards that the right has on the issue of free expression, uh, on the issue of what is offensive and how we should respond. So when the right is offended by something. Uh, they want it immediately banned and the person who does it to be punished because and, and it's an inalienable right that has been a, a violated and offended. Right. For example, kneeling at a football game. Thank you. In front yeah. of the national anthem. Yes. In fact, I mean, I'm still getting... the um, Colin Kaepernick couldn't get a job in the NFL because of that. Right. So, um, you know, so... But now... Or, or jetting a, f- a fist up after you've won a race at the Olympics, 1968. Wow, you're really going back in time. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's nothing new. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the same old, same old. It rears its ugly head. Um, uh, kill the police. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't Ice Cube. It was... Um, yes, it was. It was uh, Ice Cube or was it the other Ice? Uh, uh, well, uh, let's turn Ice Cube and NWA. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. But anyway, yeah. It's okay. in uh, the movie Us. I yeah. just saw it again. Uh, uh, have you seen Us at all once? No, no. no, I, no be, I, I, I started it and it was so depressing that I turned it off. <laughs> wait, tell me, did you rent, actually rent it or were you watching it on a... Uh, oh, wait, sorry. Us, no, I'm thinking of the, the um, Central Park Five. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, us no. is a... Us is a scary movie. Yeah, Us yeah, is right. a scary no, movie. And they play that song in the scary movie. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to Trump, 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 and Trump. Although I, I wouldn't be surprised if Trump weighs in on this. This would be the kind of issue that Trump would weigh in on. I don't know if it'll find its way to him. In other words, uh, Pritzker. Again, I'm. I've not read the story, so I feel a little reluctant to comment on it. But apparently, uh, the uh, Pritzker made, administration he, yeah. uh, said this group can't perform. So this would be the kind of story that Donald Trump would tweet about to sort of inflame um, or and fire also, up. His, and also to deflect because he does have his um, tr- troubles right now. <laughs> yes, he does have his troubles uh, right now. We'll get into the Mueller investigation. Uh, I, I have to ask you, I haven't uh, talked to you since uh, the 4th of July. Did you watch Donald Trump's 4th of July celebration at all? Uh, some of it. Some of it. It was... Um, Torturous. <laughs> it was torturous. Maybe Prit- could Pritzker have banned that? Right, exactly. <laughs> I, in fact, I'm, I'm surprised that the Confederate train wasn't performing. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, it, it's actually, it, I mean, it. the Confederate flag was the flag uh, flown by uh, insurrectionists who rebelled, obviously, against the United States. Yes. Uh, it, obviously, a treasonous act. Right. Uh, imagine if they were flying, I don't know, the North Vietnamese flag. Well, actually, flag. it wasn't flown that much. It, it came afterwards. I mean, one one state had that flag. You're talking about? The uh, Confederate flag. I'm talking about the Stars and Stripes. In, in, in modern I mean, times or originally? In, originally. It, it, it became popular after the war was over and when Jim Crow kicked in. That's when, when, that's when the statues started going up. And when they started, they created this flag that represented, you know, I wish other than the land of cotton. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so when they talk about their history and protesting about the flag coming down because we're 
influencing their history. Yeah. They're really talking about Jim Crow history, not Confederate yeah. history. Well, I know this is a, listen, I remember, I was telling Dennis this, uh, I remember when Spike Lee's movie about Malcolm X came out. Right. And it was called X. Yeah. And uh, he had as his logo the X, and that was very popular. A lot of people were wearing uh, hats right. exactly. and T-shirts and stuff. And there was a, um, a counter movement by white people yeah they, they they would have the confederate the x and the confederate flag and they would and they would uh t-shirts that say you have your x we have ours yeah and so it became a symbol of right. like sort of a white reaction right to black people asserting black power right and uh so i don't know how you could avoid you, that you know i was in when i was at ebony that's this goes back to 73 mm -hmm. i was in ebony and I was um, doing a story on Curtis Mayfield. The great so, Curtis and, and Mayfield he, yeah, from he, Chicago. Right, and he was doing a tour in the South. And we were in Natchez. And then, I don't know if it's true Mississippi. now. Mississippi? Yeah. They had downtown a good darky statue. I mean, a bronze statue right downtown. And it was something like Smiling Negro. And, and, and but the name of it was the Good Darky Statue. So this is this, I mean this is something that um, haunts us. The, the original sin we still haven't completely yeah. gotten through. Yeah, and uh, no, the original sin, absolutely. So like that's what I was saying, Monroe, before you came on, that there's a legacy here, right? And to pretend that it doesn't exist, uh, and to just you know brush that aside and say, well, we have our rights to this. Well, you know, it's sort of like if you fly a Nazi flag, right? You know, you're going to provoke something in exactly. people, and you're going to trigger something with people, right. and you're going to upset people, and you're going to send out, resonate something. Right. I think at some point people have to real think about the consequences of what they're doing. Oh yeah, you know, or, or if you deny the Holocaust, then everybody thinks you, that you got something going on yeah. that you shouldn't have yeah. going on. By the way, did you see that article? I mean, we're in a tangent within a tangent within a tangent here uh, about the principal. I forget where he was. I saw this yesterday. He was there was a dispute uh, at his school about the Holocaust, and and he wrote a letter to parents saying he couldn't take a, a stand in it as a public official uh, because he didn't want to get in the middle. Some people said it existed. Some people said it didn't exist, and he didn't want to take a stand on it. And I'm like, you sure that wasn't Trump? <laughs> <laughs> that's, I don't that's think one of, Trump's that's one of his favorite. That's what, oh yeah, he is that bad. He is. Oh, so many things. It's like, well, uh, God, I'm trying to think of. Oh, with the, I mean, that's his favorite position as well. Some people think this, and other people think that. Oh no, that. Uh, well, he he uh, his. That's his thing about uh, the uh, the Nazis who were marching in Virginia. Remember that? He goes, yeah, "There's right. good people on both yeah, sides." Yeah, Charlottesville. Yeah, yeah Charlottesville. Right. Uh, no, and he's done that since. On some, I'm trying to remember what it was, but in the past week or so, he's done that on something where he had he could have clearly done the right thing and, t and taken the right side and he did this well on the one hand and then on the other hand 
Uh, all right. Now, speaking of Trump, I want to ask you about Mueller. Dennis asked me this earlier today. What I was hoping uh, from Mueller, uh, his testimony when he comes before Congress uh, in what's in a week, I think it is, something like On that. The 17th. The 17th. And, I, and I, my response was a declarative sentence that we could all understand. And I think one of the... Um, you know, uh, disservices he's done is that uh, Mueller yeah. is that he's he's done the equivalent of mumbling, yeah. and so it, nobody really can say exactly and precisely what his conclusion is about the Trump investigation. So, do you think it's possible that he could issue a straightforward, unambiguous statement about what's going on with this case? No, he's not going to do it. It's not him. It's not his style. I saw a piece on MSNBC the other day mm -hmm. where they compared Comey and Mueller over the years. I mean, and they went back 10, 15 years. With, with, because Mueller has testified in 50, I think they said, different settings where he was an authority and they brought him in. And he's always like just very to the point um, taking no stand. He's the prosecutor. Mm -hmm. Where they, they showed the difference between, oh, oh, I know what it was. When um, um, the attorney general was in bed incapacitated and Bush oh. was trying to um, get him to approve um, torture. Yeah. Well, oh, sorry. What, did it, what was it called? Uh, uh, some sort of interrogation, yeah. uh, active interrogation or exaggerated or something. I forget the crazy I'd like the name of the attorney general, which is, I could Ashford. see his face. Yeah. Ashford. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A, a former senator from the state of Missouri. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, Comey and, and Mueller were involved mm -hmm. in that incident. And they later, they showed him recounting it. And and um, Comey was very descriptive. I mean, he just, you know, he's, it's almost like he was, he was writing a movie script, though he de described it. And Mueller says, well, there was a complication. <laughs> I mean, he downplayed it. I mean, he just downplayed it. It was like, well. Well, there's, okay, there's a difference between downplaying yeah. uh, something and being fuzzy about it. And so. Well, he wasn't fuzzy in his, what he wrote. He wasn't fuzzy. Well, but his comments, his public comments uh, at his press conference, for which really yeah. wasn't even a press conference, his press statement. Right. Uh, it, it wasn't as clear and as precise. Right. Well, the, predi was, the predictions, yeah. okay. For his testimony from from those who know him mm -hmm. and who have known him and who have watched him do this, is that he will he's going to color within the lines. What's that mean? Um, as, as with small kids, yeah, you know, you, you have a coloring book or yeah. something, yeah, and some color in the lines very precisely, yeah. and follow the rules, uh -huh. and others just do the sum, right? See, yeah, okay, yeah. He will color. He's 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 going to comment on things, but he is not going to embellish them in any kind of way. He's going to be. Uh, just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. Well, okay. I, I'm not even. A, I'm not asking for embellishment. Right. I don't. I don't want him to be funny. I don't want him to riff. I want him to say something along the lines of this: uh, I would have prosecuted Donald Trump if he wasn't president of the United States. Uh, I. I believe he's that not he going to say okay. that, but they're going to ask him that. Yeah. They're going to ask him that. Yeah. And. Um, 
And then he's going to do that wishy-washy thing where he starts speaking in double negatives and then you have to like parse the sentence to figure out, you know, wait, if you take out that negative and you take out that negative, what is he saying? And that's what's so infuriating about Mueller. Yeah, well, he, he may or he may not. You know, and here's the thing was, the guy served in Vietnam. He was a, uh, a soldier in Vietnam. You know, you're giving an order to soldiers who are like fighting a war. Right. You can't do that. Uh, well, the no-nos, and then the soldiers are like, hold on, let me figure out the no-nos. Do I charge or do I hold the yeah, defensive no, position? No, he, he, as, a, as a soldier, he didn't do that. And as, as um, a cop yeah. or a lawyer, yeah. how of you will look at him. He doesn't do that. He told his people what he wanted them to do, but they, but no but no more than that. Yeah. And if they, when he finishes talking about it, it will be news. Yeah. Well. And he will he he will he will do enough. Yeah. You know if they if they just handed him the Mueller report and said read this sentence on page two, volume two. Where he said, if you could have um, um, exonerated Trump, mm-hmm. you would have, but you couldn't. Um, would you read that to us, please? And so that you have him on the air reading that sentence, uh, which uh, most Americans have not read. Mm-hmm. They went with Barr's lie just off the bat. So if 5%, and it may have changed a little bit, but last time I heard of 5% of Americans that actually read the Mueller report. Five percent have read it. Yes, five. Is that high? Yeah, oh, right. That's uh, really high. I mean, this, this is the Mueller report, ladies yeah, right. and gentlemen. It's not that five percent. <laughs> right? Did, did, did I you, do not did, believe it's five percent of America. Well, that's, that's a what, lot of yeah, Americans. Well, I, oh, yeah, well, I mean, I, five, I could say that five percent have read an article about it. You know, which oh yeah, is, well, okay. Yeah, no, that's probably. Samina Mustafa, our next sure. guest, she's one of the most informed people I know on every single issue of the day. I do not believe Samina Mustafa has read uh, the Mueller report. No, no, no. She's saying up. She's not going to comment. Uh, well, that, I, I read page two of volume one and of volume two. Oh, okay. Well, okay, go, go yeah, no, page. okay. Pull up. Go to page two, volume one. Two. All right, hold Vo- on. Volume two. Kind of hard. Uh, volume two. All right, you know what? We'll do okay, this we'll at the break. That. We're going to yeah, take we'll a break. We're going to bring Samina. Okay. Uh, I definitely want to because uh, ch- uh, you can help educate the American public. Yes, I'll, I'll I'll find that at the break. We're going to bring Samino on. We're going to start talking a little Jeffrey Epstein, and we're going to talk about uh, border issues, health care issues, Pelosi versus AOC, a showdown. That alligator. The alligator. No, Micah's coming in later with the alligator updates. He's all excited about that. Gator Gate. But you know what? I may ask Samino about the Confederate uh, railroad. Yeah, you should have Wall- you should have had Wallace Gator in. Well, very good. Wallace, Wallace Gator could have been your gator interpreter. By the way. Uh, gator interpreter. <laughs> have you ever heard of the song Poke Salad, Annie? No. Okay, okay Gator's we, got your granny. I think keep, I'm the only. We get the millennials, then no, you say something right. like that, and they exactly. tune it. I, I know the song Worker With Me, Annie. I uh, do not know that yeah. song. That's Monroe Anderson. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Samina's on deck. We're going to bring her on when we return. The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by the Northwestern Summer Writers Conference. Now in its 15th year, the three-day conference held in Chicago features a diverse array of workshops, speakers, discussions, and readings. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash writers. Hey! 
Playing now at Steppenwolf Theater, the world premiere of Ms. Black for President. It's inspired by the true, that's true as in it really happened, T-R-U-E story of Joan Jett Black, America's first drag queen presidential candidate. You know who created it, D? No. It was created by Tony nominee Tina Landau. Oh. And you know who else created it? No. Oscar winner Terrell Alvin McCraney. You know him. Moonlight. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. For tickets, visit Steppenwolf.org. That's Steppenwolf, like the rock group from the 60s, Hang tight, millennials. <laughs> hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V is in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, everybody, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, July 10th is moments away. But before we get into hour number two, we need to thank the following unions once again for jumping on board and helping bring back our program. First up, thanks, International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, not Aerosmith. Thanks, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. And thanks, International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. You guys are awesome. And also a big thank you to the Chicago Federation of Labor for jumping on board and helping bring back our program. Hour number two, let's go. It is Wednesday, July 10th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we still got Monroe Anderson in studio. We welcome back our good friend, Samina Mustafa, and Jacobin Magazine writer, Micah Utrecht. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Yes, indeed. Samina Mustafa in the studio. Last time she was in the, we had a great discussion 
uh, panel discussion about the Democratic debates. It was so much fun uh, breaking down those debates with Samina. That was about two weeks ago. Seems like a year ago. Uh, but uh, and so uh, we're, we'll probably get a, a get into a lot of political talking what the Democrats should do, who's ahead, who's behind, all that kind of thing. Uh, but I, you know what, Samina's brave enough to come on this show. Let's throw the hard questions at her, D. Uh, let's get her. <laughs> let's get her weighing in on the Confederate Railroad. I can't talk about the Gator. I really want to talk about Micah's the Gator. No. coming in. You can stick around. No, for no, no. That. I'm being silly. I'm no. being silly. No. So my, I, uh, if we're talking about the band Confederate Railroad, that's uh, I think supposed to perform in the Illinois State Fair. You've and heard then, of them? No, no, no. I never heard. Okay, of, okay. Mm-hmm. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> my musical taste is a little different. Uh, I had never heard of them until I saw the flash of the story mm-hmm. um, in the last 24 hours, and that Pritzker, JB Pritzker, said he did not want them to perform or some 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 kerfuffle, yeah. as the kids say. Yes. Now the, kid, the kids, the kids, kids who speak, the kids who speak Yiddish, that's who. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> seventy year old. You know kids. what? I'm just saying, kids at heart. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that I I saw that, and my reaction was, yeah, no, we don't. What? No, they don't need to. They can go somewhere else. All right, Dean. Is there an update on this one? There is an update. They were here last year, by the way. It's it's very funny how like you know. Well, that was Bruce Rauner year. Yeah, yeah. Bruce Rauner. Bruce Rauner was singing along. Yeah, yeah. It's just crazy. All right. Uh, okay. So <laughs> once again, the country rock band. He loves Confederate Railroad. Bruce Rauner. Yeah. All right. <laughs> country rock band Confederate Railroad has been banned from the Illinois State Fair. Uh, we have an update here uh, from the Chicago Sun Times. This comes from one Tina Svondelas. It says here, a day after the Pritzker administration defended its decision to bar the banned Confederate Railroad from the downstate DeCoin State Fair, the Democratic governor called the Confederate flag a symbol of murder, of kidnapping, of rape. And now, getting thrown into this story, Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg is now in the story because Snoop Snoop Dogg, I almost said Snoop Dogg, like a first and last name. Snoop Dogg is scheduled to uh, perform August uh, in August 17th, I believe, in Illinois as well. So they asked him, well, Snoop Dogg's coming and he says offensive things. So what, uh, why, why would you ban him? Mm-hmm. Well, J.B. Pritzker says, hey, there's a big well, quote. There's a big difference between what I just described and the hundreds of thousands of people who died. Millions, in fact, tens of millions of people were enslaved. We're talking about a history, a terrible history in the United States, Pritzker said. Death and destruction that took place under that flag. And on the other side, political satire. Uh, he's saying Snoop Dogg is political satire? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know so what? Snoop Dogg's a comedian? <laughs> yeah. Uh, For shizzle. All right. <laughs> Good. Yeah. He's the got, millennial he's voice. Got, that millennial. He, no, he loves Snoop Dogg. Go ahead, Monroe. <laughs> Snoop Dogg is not a comedian, and he's not doing satire. Oh, he wasn't doing back then. And it, was, it, it, says here, it says here the rapper's latest album, Make America Crip Again, features Snoop Dogg standing over a corpse with a toe tag that reads Trump. That comparison was brought up by state rep Terry Bryant. Oh, Terry Bryant is a Republican, I presume? Out of Murphy's Bill, yeah, yes. Okay, yeah. So, uh, uh, so he wants Snoop Dogg uh, banned? From the is it? Did he come out and say he wants Snoop Dogg banned? Uh, doesn't say. All right, he's not. He's a little ducking and dodging, and I will go ahead. And right, run right. No, it's, it's, back in the day, Snoop Dogg was serious about the things he was mm-hmm. saying. Now he's a crossover artist, and so he says things that um, in a more satirical way now mm-hmm. because he's mature. and you know he hangs out with Martha Stewart, <laughs> so so he's a different man. 
Well, do you do you see that distinction, Samina, that uh, Pritzker is drawing, or do you share the uh, outrage of the Republican senators? Who That's wants- like a whataboutism, yeah, right? right? So I I don't uh, I don't agree with the Republican senator. It's interesting because it's actually recalling what happened. Bringing it back to local politics, Ben. <laughs> um, in the 40th Ward Aldermanic race yes. um, with Andre Vasquez mm-hmm. um, and people mm-hmm. bringing up, you know, his rap uh, career, his battle rapper career, and saying like, we can't have someone who represents us, and it's just kind of like. This is, he was doing this as an artist. He wasn't in a position of power to, in the case of Pat O'Connor, block the first elected black mayor of Chicago. I mean, let's, so that's that's where some of, and that was actually folks who described themselves as progressive and liberal making that case. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, um, it's, yeah, no, this is not, it's not the same. Yes, there's probably a place where it's like, oh, is this, if this is a family for, whatever, you, I mean, Again, I, I'm not going to the Illinois State Fair, so I will, I will, <laughs> I will confess that. But to me, to con- equate Snoop Dogg to the Confederate flag is a stretch. Yeah, a big stretch. It's a big stretch. And uh, well, like, like I said, I'm I'm waiting for a Donald Trump to weigh in on this one. This is a natural one for uh, Donald Trump uh, to tweet out about something and try to rile people up. And uh, but you, it, it gets at uh, at, the, at the heart of what did you call it? Um, what about ism? What about ism? And I, here's another what about ism is what I want to talk about, uh, and, and that has to do with uh, Jeffrey Epstein. And the whataboutism of Donald Trump's relationship to him, and uh, what about Bill Clinton's right. re- relationship to him? And uh, this has been on my mind a lot lately, uh, Samina and Monroe, um, having my own issues with Bill Clinton, uh, post traumatic stress disorder over Bill Clinton. I'll put that to the side for the moment before I get into that. Uh, but um, I, I do think that the, the Jeffrey Epstein uh, situation, it's it like it. If he, if they really go hard at Epstein, I get this feeling that Epstein is just going to open up his little black book, if you follow what I'm saying, uh, and a lot of names will be revealed, and a lot of people will be embarrassed. Your thoughts on this? Yeah, I was, I was actually listening to uh, another radio station, which shall remain nameless, um, <laughs> that where they were. Intru- <laughs> you, you listen to that station? <laughs> I do. I am. I, no, not that station. No, oh, oh, not okay. that okay, station. Okay, okay, all right. I'm, no, no, I'm not. I'm okay. Not. Uh, I know where I'm going, and uh, I know where I am, all right, and all I know right, what I stand right. for. Okay, so, okay, all right. Speaking of being banned, so it's going to be easy. Yeah, I know. No, no. But, but they were interviewing um, the the reporter, uh, I believe from the Miami Herald, uh, about this, and, and it was funny because they were specifically asking about Trump's relationship with Jeffrey Epstein and how he said, oh, um, you know, he's he, he was sort of trying to distance himself from Jeffrey Epstein. Yes. now and apparently they did have some kind of real estate dispute and and what's really interesting is there's a report it hasn't been confirmed but there's a report that he was banned from mark mar-a-lago who was because, banned epstein uh, epstein uh-huh. because he hit on one of the people's daughters one of the guests daughters why would Trump care about that? that uh, no, no, that's what makes it juicy. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. in Donald Trump's worldview, okay, yeah, right, you know. exactly. No, so Donald, I know, so Trump, but Trump banned him because of that. Uh, now, it's probably knowing Trump, the buddy issue. You know, it's you know, it's like um, if, if 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 I don't know her, so if I hit on her daughter, 
it's okay. Well, if you if Dennis hit on her daughter, yeah, it'd be okay. But I do know you, and so if Dennis hit on your daughter, I'd be offended. <laughs> I see. I got that. Okay. Yeah, right. Oh, exactly. I see what you're saying. Yeah, right. All right, Sweetie. I think we- it was probably a business issue, but what what they also referenced was back in November of 2016, there was that lawsuit that was pending literally days before the election um, against Donald Trump and Jeffrey Epstein. I believe it was a civil suit um, alleging uh, rape. And that that suit got dropped. I think they even said the date was November 4th of 2016. So, and I remember that case um, you know, getting some publicity, but again, in the in the last few days of the of the election, it was it was there was so much noise. But I remember hearing about it because it was also the same time that the Trump University lawsuit was ongoing, mm-hmm. and obviously every other thing that was going on. But the fact that um, uh, she withdrew her petition, I believe Lisa Bloom um, was the attorney. She ended up withdrawing, and it was one of those things where you you heard what I remember hearing was that she was getting death threats. Um, the people had figured out who she was, even though they had kept her name like the as a Jane Doe, the, 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 the complainant. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, she was listed as a uh, Jane Doe, mm-hmm. but people found out who she was, or they suspected they knew who she was, and she was getting death threats. Now, wait, Tim, uh, refresh everybody's memory. Uh, you said this case was dropped? I didn't... This, so the case, the, the suit was dropped, um, and it was just days before the 2016 election, but it was a, a suit against Donald John Trump and Jeffrey Epstein back in 2016. So there's a... Alleging? Alleging, uh, alleging rape. By both men? Yes. So, I mean, that's the thing is like, I remember hearing in the days before the election, like Donald Trump is a child rapist, allegedly. Yeah. You know, right. I'm, yeah. I'm, for those of you who are but listening, I'm, I'm making rape, air quotes. They both raped the same yes. girl? That, yes. The allegation. That, yeah, yeah right. that's the allegation. Okay. Yeah. But oh, well, then even in the story, they're saying that there are at least 80 women who have come forward and made allegations against Jeffrey Epstein alone. But, you know, just now is hearing that there was this this world, this sort of cis, whatever um, I don't know, Say click, mm-hmm. click, or you know, uh, ring is the word that is being used. You know, a sex trafficking ring, mm-hmm. human trafficking ring that was, uh, and and these are children, right? Masters of the universe. Okay, and what role do you think Donald Trump uh, and Bill Clinton played in this universe? It, the implication um, is that they were not, um, they they were aware potentially of what was going on. And actually that was the, the reporter was saying it just as I was coming in here saying that like, you know, he's made a statement, but I don't know once we do the investigation if it's gonna hold up. It's sort of, again, everyone's sort of saying coolly, I don't really know him that well, or the only time I uh, was, was around him was with, you know, in sort of official capacity or something. I mean, it's not, this is gonna be ugly, and it, it right. it's gonna get it's gonna get ugly. And but I I was thinking about all of the other folks that are sort of in that similar the the Harvey Weinstein's, you know, the Matt Lowers, the Charlie Roses, like all these people who are sort of were respected and sort of seen as elite and untouchable. Kevin Spacey, I mean, all these these folks, Bill Cosby, R. Kelly, I mean. There's there's this reckoning, right? And and it's it's finally happening. Yeah, uh, with with Trump and Epstein, uh, one of the reports says that um, Trump and Epstein had a party at Mar-a-Lago mm-hmm. where they invited um, twelve calendar girls, and 
the 12 calendar girls showed up, and it was just Trump and Epstein for the party with the 12 calendar girls. Wait, time out. This was, uh, alle- where, where did this allegation come out? It's, 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 it's um, been reported. I mean, in this, yeah, I, I'm not sure where it, mm-hmm. it came out, but it's been reported. And um, the way it was reported, it, you know, it was like 90, it was in the 90s. Yeah. It wasn't, well, it wasn't listen, recently. But there's the so much more to this, though. Right, like, right. there's other cover, cover-ups. Like, I was, uh, sorry, I, there was this article in Vanity Fair back in 2011 mm-hmm. that apparently had some allegations r- relative to this. And, appar- and it was a, really a profile of Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. And, a, and the woman who wrote the story, and I'm just blanking on her name, I literally was reading the, the story um, in the last 24 hours, um, said that Graydon Carter, who was the editor of Vanity Fair at the time said, no, um, we're gonna give Jeffrey Epstein sort of final uh, say on what, what gets published and ended up sanit- sanitizing the story. So, I mean, there's, this is gonna, this is, I know. I mean, so this is, this is a reporter saying, I was told by my editor, Jeffrey gets, um, you know, right of first refusal on what gets published. So, um, and I'm trying to figure this out because there's so many people implicated. Yes, uh, from exactly. so many, from both parties. Exactly. Alan Dershowitz, Graydon Carter. I mean, you, the name. Bill Clinton. I know. <laughs> Bill Clinton. I know. Because they were all partying together. Prince Harry. <laughs> Andrew. Andrew. Oh, my God. Sorry, Andrew. Harry. Different, Andrew. different prince. Different prince. Right. It, was, it was Prince Andrew. Uh, no, but they were, they were, they, they were partying together and... In the 80s and 90s, for example, mm-hmm. uh, when cocaine was still um, very prominent at that time. I mean, I, I, what do you I mean have, still, like it's, uh, got, well, it's not no, being no, used yeah, these right. days? No, 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 I'm saying, yeah, uh, uh, which, yeah I guess it yeah, is. Just yeah, just move on. Yeah, anyway, right. Yeah. But no, but I have a friend, a uh, well known journalist. Okay, friend, who will remain who, anonymous. Who will remain for, for sure. But he told me that um, back then he would go to parties. And they would snort cocaine, and everybody would get naked and have sex with each other. Man, I, I just got to say something. <laughs> I was living during these times. I never did any of this stuff. Right. Okay, I just put that out right. here. Exactly. I was I watching movies, yeah. going to Bulls no, games, eating you're, pizza. That's because you're a good dad and a good husband. I guess. Yeah, I didn't right. live this life. And uh, and I believe that I, I feel naive saying this, uh, guys. And I, uh, I read this stuff, and... I feel as though it, I, I'm being exposed to a world that uh, existed, but I was almost like blind to it. You know, the fact that the federal prosecutor in the state of Florida, which is so tough on a black guy with a joint, you know what I mean? Right. Was, would, would look the other way right. and, and uh, cut this deal, which is so obviously so blatantly favored to right. um, Epstein. And then he... He, it, it, far from being punished for it, his career prospers. He's now the Secretary of Labor. I'm not even sure what qualifications he has to be. <laughs> a former federal prosecutor knows anything about labor issues. I mean, uh, Samina, my, my guess is yes, there's probably a lot of people who could whose careers would be really upset if they took the deep dive into this case. Uh, I just don't think this country's got the guts to take that dive right now. Well, this reporter, whose name I'm literally, I literally just saw it. Uh, uh, Dennis, help me out here. <laughs> who the reporter is? Um, 
it literally was like, this is the person who saw that thread and kept pulling, right? She just kept the talking. Vanity oh. fair, the Vanity Fair. Well, oh, no, and Miami, she's the Miami Herald, Miami, Miami Herald. Herald. Oh. Jane um, and I don't know if she ended up getting uh, a, a profile then. I don't know if the same reporter is the one who got the profile done in Vanity Fair. I think there are, what I'm, what I'm gathering is that there's this sort of like, she was dogged. I mean, she kept on the story. And I read um, a, a very brief piece in the New York Times that she would sometimes go and spend her own money to kind of like essentially stalk the guy and say like, you know, to, to go up to Epstein and try to find him. Do you, did you find her name? Julie K. Brown. Oh, Julie, Julie K. Brown. K. I was like, I was going to say yeah. Julie Brown, but I was like, yeah. she had a very successful singing career in the 80s. <laughs> I mean, downtown Julie Brown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, I was like, okay, I yeah. can't be the same name. No, but, but it, it, is. it sure is. Without um, the K. Yeah, but it, uh, so... Yeah, I mean, it's really incredible that she kept pursuing the story and in some cases spent her own money to do it. And it kind of, and this is something I talk on this show a lot with you, Ben, is just the death of journalism, <laughs> the death of investigative reporting and the change of newsrooms. I mean, you, I'm sure, are sensitive to this issue. We're standing in the Sun-Times building, which is obviously not what it was even 20 years ago. Um, so, I mean, that's the thing is like how many reporters have the luxury of time mm -hmm. to do this kind of deep dive when there are deadlines constantly. And this is how, this is, I mean, this is, we're talking specifically about Jeffrey Epstein, but let's be clear, this same sort of glossing over, not seeing sort of systemic or things that are building up affects every aspect of our lives. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we're in this immigration mess, right? We've had decades of bad policy and really people not being held accountable or no one really tracking like, oh wait, this this really bad bill that was passed 20 plus years ago is why we're yeah. here today. Yeah, but and times have changed also. You know, It's just like when JFK was president, they never talked about all his womanizing and what have you because it was right. not it, it was well, just time not done. All right. I, so there's there's that. Yeah, right. Yeah. But and we've, but we've, there's we've degrees of quote unquote womanizing. Uh, no, no, JFK no. playing around uh, with thirty year old women is different than Jeffrey Epstein uh, getting fourteen, yeah, right, thirteen year right, old. No, well, but okay. This is the point I'm making is that we have we have progressed and what the media will cover and not cover. Yeah. Uh, with each thing, you, you know, Gary Hart challenging them. He was mm -hmm. having the affair. Yeah. And him challenging them, saying, well, go catch me if you can, yeah. basically. And yeah. they caught him. So now it's okay to report about the 30-year-old women. And w what I'm suggesting is that as a result of this Epstein thing, we will be reporting more and more about the pedophiles. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see that in politicians. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is interesting, though, because I'm thinking, I'm recalling the Tiger Woods story and how many people sort of sat on that. Um, so it, it, there are certain people Wait, who... which Tiger Woods story? <laughs> I mean, well, I mean was, there's so many of them. Which, what are you talking about? What I mean, like when which led to the golf club thing? With, well, I mean, yeah, essentially, yeah. The, where he, what, his wife coming after him with the golf. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, that story, that's one of those things where, like, it, it, it's almost like... And I, this is again me getting turning into my philosophy major, but you know, people aren't aware of how much gets reported just because it seems like news. Like <laughs> Tucker Carlson attacking Ilhan Omer is what he does. He's a racist. He's a white supremacist. Right. That's what he does. Right. And that is exactly what Fox News wants him to do. Like that's what they think 
is their base, right? Oh, they think that is. Their that's base. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. They think that's their base. Um, they think that's their base, and I'm, that's I'm the a racist. What yeah. station ever go to watch? And that's how they they make their money, you know. But in sort of lost in all of that mm-hmm. is really the substance of like why is Illinois is she why is she sort of uh, have a target on her because she's actually speaking out about stuff that is really bad. Bad stuff is happening. And mm-hmm. let's talk about that instead of Tucker Carlson, who frankly, you know, it, like I would not choose to watch him, but there was this subset, like, it's sort of like the Confederate Railroad thing. Like, it's a story because Governor Pritzker talked about it, but it's like, in this grand scheme of things, I I personally am like, this is to me that, that sort of, this is actually the environment that Trump Right. Yes. Yeah. This is this is his world. And 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 absolutely. So going back to uh, Confederate Railroad, uh, there would be people in the Democratic Party, uh, Samina and Monroe, who would argue to to J. B. Pritzker, don't raise this as a subject. You'll just uh, inflame people. Well, not even no, even more than that. You ask me as a press secretary what I would do. Yeah. I've thought about it more, and I think (laughs) that. I would have said ignore them because we didn't. The four of us here didn't even know who they were until JB uh, promoted them, gave them bad press. And and I've still not even read one. Dennis was the one who told me about it because, of course, me. You know, I read. (laughs) I'm following the cycle of a newspaper. It hasn't been in my beloved bright one, home delivered every day. Uh, So it's breaking on the news. So I, I don't know who like alerted JB Britzker to it. Do you follow what I'm saying? Like, how did he find out about it? And what kind of discussions did he have as to whether, you know, how appropriate it was to have them play and all those uh, kinds of things. But this gets back to the whole issue of, like, border issues. I'm going to tie it all together. Although I'm not really ready. I'm not really ready to to let go of Epstein because I I just got to, guys, I have to say, there is a big difference between Tiger Woods carrying on all right, and uh, betraying his uh, marriage oath to his wife, and what Jeffrey Epstein was doing. Oh, yeah. uh, of course. Apparently, I mean, allegedly, with Billy Clinton and Donnie Trump the, trailing well, behind the only, the only reason I bring it up is, is a, as a point that some journalists were probably aware of it and didn't report on yeah. it. Yeah, right. You know, so they I, probably embargoed it yeah. because Tiger Woods was the biggest golf star in the world. So, I mean, who knows? I, I don't know. I mean, I, like, it's well, one of those not, things where, not, like... It was not so much because he was a big... But he, but he was a lot of people's hero. You know, it's like with Michael Jackson. You didn't hear a lot of the things he was doing. Well, everything about... Wait, so, hold it. Time out. <laughs> everything about Michael Jackson was out there. And, and as a Michael Jackson fan, oh, it I'm going to tell you it what I did. Out, yeah, no, I yeah. looked the other way because <laughs> right. I love Michael exactly. Jackson. And then it exactly. got so embarrassing. Cat happens. Williams came out and he said it all. I don't right. know if you know who he is. He's a comedian. And he's like... Oh, I know who Cat Williams yeah, is. And I, I could he, not, he wore the noose around his neck as part of one of his routines. He showed up and he thought that was funny. Yeah, he thought that was... But the point is, <laughs> is that... Uh, the views and opinions of Monroe Anderson are those of Monroe Anderson, and not necessarily. <laughs> he, we have to do that recovered. every time we come. He's recovered uh, now. But uh, so, I mean, I was guilty of that. With I must confess, but I, this thing is astounding. That like the prosecutors. And, and I really do hope they take the deep dive and take a look at who's in the little black book, so to speak, uh, Samina. And so we'll really find out. Uh, well, then we'll have Brazil. 
So that's what happened in Brazil. They did these. They got into the deep dive, and before it was over, it was two hundred and some politicians. The president of Brazil, the ex president, the former president of Brazil, and judges. It just was a, a an incredible scandal. All right. So going back to my uh, the analogy I was going to make with the open borders, <laughs> okay. I haven't fo- <laughs> forgotten that one. Um, so there are. Uh, there are advisors within the Democratic Party who would say to J.B. Pritzker, do not raise this issue. It's not worth it. You're just going to uh, lose any chance we can get to get a swing vote. Uh, if it is really a swing vote, let the band play. No one's ever heard of them, et cetera, and so forth. Similarly, there are advisors within the Democratic Party who are saying to the Democrats, uh, you must make it clear to everybody that you're not for open borders, that you believe you're not for decriminalizing uh, immigrants, that you believe uh, that it are the security of our country is at stake and that we should incarcerate immigrants who come over illegally. There are advisors to the Democratic Party right now who are probably showing Democrats the polling and getting them to try to move to the right on this particular issue. I am on the, if, if you can do it like a left-right thing, personally, I'm on the left. I'm almost at the point of advocating open borders. Right. Uh, and But but do, do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, so no. I, and, but the, that, that, I mean, this goes back to something we've talked about before, which is, what where the country is, where the parties are, where the party leadership is. And there was that article you sent me this morning. Did the, you read that? The, yeah, I did. And essentially, you know, without going, and I'm, of course I'm blanking on the name, but essentially the, the point is when you ask people questions about policies mm-hmm. and you don't ask them liberal, conservative, moderate, whatever, and you ask them about policies, they are actually more aligned with where the progressive base of the Democratic yes. Party is on things like immigration. People, you know, if you ask people, how should we treat dreamers? You know, that's an easy one. The problem, though, gets gets to where you've created a good immigrant, bad immigrant thing with the dreamers, right? It's less than 10% of undocumented folks are dreamers. But, and, and, and the Republicans will take anything you say and if it's just like, don't kill these kids, if you just say, don't kill these kids, you're like, oh, you must be for open borders. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you say. <laughs> yeah, know, they have, no, right. they have right. no integrity. Yeah. Why, why is this even a conversation? I, I don't understand it. Right. So that's, but like that to me is, th- that's where, um, I, and this is going back to your favorite, your favorite person, um, you know, the Nancy Pelosi AOC <laughs> spat and her essentially attacking them again. Yeah. I, that's a whole show in itself. All right, well, we're, we're, we're yeah. going to hold him up. Mike is sitting there. We're going to bring him on for a minute. And I actually, He's all fired I, up. So I shared, I shared the Jacobin article, which is, you know, why do the Democrats always cave on immigration? They're, they want that moderate swing voter who, they this mythical yes. swing voter that hates brown people. And I'm like, you know what? That's That person isn't, they're never coming out exactly they're, they're never coming they're, out they're, they're they don't need republic why would they go for republican light if they can get the real thing it's like what happened just yesterday amy mcgrath remember i was telling you a couple weeks ago i thought yeah. she was going to run against mitch mcconnell yeah what does she do she comes out i want to be a trump democrat i'm like well you just guaranteed a mitch mcconnell's gonna win yeah. again yeah. good right. job right exactly no this we don't need to chase after the so-called um trump democrats <laughs> They're, they're gone. Yep. That, that's, what we need to do is go to those people who are natural constituents, um, blacks and Hispanics and Asians, and get them to the polls. 
<laughs> we are the constituents. Right. Exactly. Monroe, I'm like waving because it's like you. We are the Democratic Party. Yeah. Monroe and exactly. I. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Like me. Right. Exactly. Me, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but they're chasing this white man who is scared to death that um, we're going to take over the country and he's not going to be welcome anymore. <laughs> I guess we're going to ship him back to Europe or something. Well, well let's let's talk about Amy McGrath's, uh, her opening line. I, I uh, she we, we, we mentioned her earlier. Uh, she's a, a former Marine uh, fighter pilot. Uh, flew, I forget how many missions over uh, Iraq. Killing lots uh, of brown people. And uh, <laughs> the views and opinions expressed of this. Uh, uh, Everybody uh, loves killing brown people. And, exactly. and, uh, uh, she's, married, <laughs> she's married to a, um, a Republican. Uh, I don't know if you know this, yeah. but her, her husband is a, he won't even be able to vote for her uh, in the primary because apparently in the, the, the state of Kentucky, yeah, once you've declared your party, you cannot participate. They're a little uh, beyond, we're, hey, we're a, a further ahead of Kentucky and the electoral right. process. We get to declare essentially the day of the election. Uh, what else about her? For some reason, she's running as a Democrat. Uh, it would seem based, uh, and, and one of the first things she said, I saw this, this one, was that she criticized McConnell because uh, he is preventing Donald Trump from uh, enacting his uh, <laughs> his legislation. So if that enables her to win, um, what's the matter with that? See, it's interesting because people are looking at, uh, you know, the last Senate election and looking at even her election. Um, and she's gone to the right of where she was when she was running for Congress. And she, I remember her coming, saying something about, you know, uh, illegals and, and using sort of essentially xenophobic language. And so I don't- And she I, lost. I, I know, and yeah, she lost. She so lost. I'm, what I'm saying is anytime you try to run as Republican light, it's, it it's, I, I don't know. I, I don't know who's advising her, but I don't think that that's going to ultimately, and there are, there's actually at least one other person I know in that primary. So I, I, I found out, and I, I forget his first name, but his last name's Cox. He's uh, another um, candidate running with a more progressive platform. But again, it's what, um, I, 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 she made this statement that Mitch McConnell is not letting Donald Trump get his agenda. Mitch McConnell was working on Trump's agenda before Trump was president. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, like, Mitch McConnell is a problem and he needs to go. So if if, if he gets, you know, ousted, it, there, there are folks that are like, by hook or by crook, whatever way it can happen, yeah, you know, it is but, worth getting rid of him. Right. But, that's, but that's one of those things where it's like, there are people who, again, there are people who are extremely online. I'm not extremely online, but I did notice on Twitter, which I know you're not a fan of. <laughs> no, um, I'm not a fan of Twitter. <laughs> I know you're not a fan of Twitter. Uh, where someone just responded, you know, she's like, I live in Kentucky, and yeah. I know there are people like, we come on, there are progressive people here. They're not. They're not all like. Yeah, we but hate you brown know, people. but to be be fair to her, I think what, what, what whatever this cockeyed statement was that she made, it was to. Uh, again, reach out to the Trump Democrats. It, I, I don't think it was some the way she. I can't remember what the topic was, but it, it was something where um, 
McDonald. No, he was. McDonald, she was she saying. Was saying yeah, she yeah. was saying that Mitch McConnell yeah. uh, has kept Trump from implementing that. Mitch McConnell, uh, his reign in the Senate has kept Trump from implementing some of his legislative uh, proposals. And I was thinking, what legislative proposal is she talking about? Uh, in yeah, particular, and, and like some, May- yeah, no, with some, I can't remember what it was, but and but would it be something that a Democrat that. would care about anyway? In other words, you might it, let's say it, it, were, it, it did happen. Let's say Mitch McConnell. Oh, it, it may have been um, coal mine related or something like yeah. that. I can't. Yeah, I, but it was it was something where the the people of Kentucky overall would be for yeah. that Mitch was against. I can't. I can't remember. But, but I, I would say the Democratic Party cannot be victorious uh, throughout this country if it just it makes it appeal to people who are what we call people of color. You have to broaden beyond one part, a significant part of the Democratic Party, and you have to think beyond you, the constituency that you're part of, the community that you're part of. And so many people, when they come into the studio, accuse me, uh, Samina and Monroe, of being too Chicago-centric. Ben, you got to get out of the city. Too. I hear that all the time from people. You know, I'm going, but the Democrats should run against Donald Trump. And people always come into this, in this studio and tell me, Ben, you don't realize, outside of Chicago, people don't dislike Trump the way you dislike Trump. Personally, I yeah, disagree okay. with that. I think Trump is disliked throughout this country. Yeah, and I think is, Lauren Underwood w- proved that when she was victorious. But I just feel that a Demo- we have to have a, a Democratic candidate. I don't know who that person is, Samina, who has figured out a way to um, get white people, black people, Hispanics, Asians, etc., aboard, and without uh, getting one group afraid of the other group, without feel, getting one group to feel like they're well, left out. Obama never got majority white vote. There hasn't been yeah. a majority white vote for a Democratic nominee since John F. Kennedy. Yeah. So, Wait, no, no, uh, 1964, Lyndon Johnson. But that was then the, yeah. then you had the Voting Rights Act. And yeah. you had the, right. like, and that the Civil it. Rights it's Act. That's been over ever since. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, so, you, so we're ch- ch- chasing this mystical white man voter. Yeah. And <laughs> mystical white man voter. Yeah. Well, the unicorn. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's, I mean, uh, going back to the presidential election, we're talking about Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, right? States where you didn't have a robust field operation from the Democratic uh, National Committee and the Hillary Clinton campaign, and you also had, in you know, in the case of say Wisconsin, massive voter suppression, and so like that, there, there's so many things that are at play, and if you know the the DNC, and if they were thinking like, oh, this is what this is how we this is our path to victory, they would be fighting voter suppression like crazy. Yeah, they, were, they would be they would be joining forces with people like Stacey Abrams and Andrew Gillum, yeah. and they would say like, no, we have to expand the electorate to people who look, frankly, more like me and Monroe. All right, now before uh, we take a break uh, and um, and uh, bring Micah into this, Monroe. Uh, has promised to read his favorite (laughs) part of the Mueller report. Got the Mueller report here. Uh, Leah and I are the only two people in America who've read the entire uh, Mueller report. We just go, no. Uh, She hasn't read it. Okay. All right. So, Monroe, you get to read it. I believe it's uh, section four there. I feel like this is like back in school where you get to read aloud. Yes, you get to read aloud his favorite section of the Mueller report. This is what we need Mueller. You know, this is what they're going to ask him to read. All right. Go ahead. guessing. Here you go. Go ahead. Uh, all right. If we had confidence after a thorough <laughs> investigation of yeah. the facts that the president clearly did not commit 
obstruction of justice, we would so state. Yes. Based on the facts and the applicable legal standards, however, we are unable to reach that judgment. The evidence we obtained about the president's actions and intention and intent presents difficult issues that prevent us from conclusively determining that no criminal conduct occurred. Yeah. Accordingly, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it does not exonerate yeah. him. All right. Okay. I told well, <laughs> he, just has, he just has to read that. He just has to read that. You know? Monroe Anderson yeah, right. reading from the Mueller report. Right, exactly. Who'll be performing, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, from Appendix D? Okay. That's personally my favorite part of the Mueller. Appendix D. I love Appendix D. They have something. Uh, here we go. Uh, I don't know why they scratched this. <laughs> Is that redacted too? Yeah, just they've that. got weird stuff redacted, like lines through it. I don't, and it's not even because you can read through this redaction. So I. I don't, I, the Mueller report is a fascinating thing. Go yeah, ahead, right, does. So I'll be reading at it um, Tuesday night at the hideout. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's Monroe Anderson, Samina Mustafa here. Micah's sitting by. He's just dying to get in here. He wants to weigh in on Nancy Pelosi and that alligator. Uh, we'll bring him on when we return. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Well, yesterday was quite a day. I really lost sleep last night after watching over and over again the testimony of the Attorney General of the United States. How sad it is. How sad it is for us to see the top law enforcement officer in our country misrepresenting, withholding the truth from the Congress of the United States. I think it's really time that as I watched him, I kept saying, what could possibly be motivating the Attorney General of the United States to disrespect the Constitution of the United States, the separation of power, the right of Congress to know? What possible motivation could the Attorney General of the United States have uh, to dishonor the office that he holds by writing there for the whole world to see, to misrepresent the facts to the Congress of the United States? It's almost time. Can you feel it in the air, people? Lincoln Square Summer Party. Join us for a truly local festival featuring neighborhood food and regional craft beer, as well as unique and exciting market vendors. Over 50 bands and artists from around the world entertain on four stage. It's Lincoln Square Square Roots Festival 2019. Your donations support Lincoln Square, Ravenswood, Chamber of Commerce's free concerts and farmer's market and Old Town School of Folk Music's financial aid programs and outreach program. It's this weekend, July 12th, 13th, and 14th. I'm going to be there. Will you? Square Roots Festival. I mean, it's on the. I live kind of right by there, so I kind of have no choice. But Square Roots Festival, Lincoln Square Summer Party is happening this weekend. You're going to miss out if you don't go. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. 
Live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed. We are live from the Sun-Times. Samina is still here. Uh, Mike has joined us. Monroe uh, is standing in the corner. Monroe, I just have to say, I've read this sentence from the Mueller report a million times, and it infuriates me because there's too many knots in this sentence. I, it's again, Mueller is incapable of saying something directly and clearly. I'm reading, I listened to that brilliant recitation by Monroe, and I, it was a great job. But one more time, if we had come confidence after a thorough investigation of the facts. So if we had a confidence after a thorough investigation of the facts that the president clearly did not commit obstruction, just that's already too windy. Yeah. You know, I'm just, that's just my problem with Mueller. Blah, blah. I mean, hate to be like a relationship with the guy. You know what I mean? Do you like me? Well, if I uh, put it together and then it, 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 man, say something oh, straight Your Mueller impression is on point, buddy. You've been working on that? Let's hear it again. Sounds, sounds like a Looney Tunes character. Mother <laughs> Mother, you're good. Catch, catch him at I.O. Oh my God. Swing Mother and That is, I think that's your like classic, like, like buffoon bozo yeah. impersonation. Yeah. It's pretty much what the world sounds like to me sometimes. <laughs> Come on, man, say it. Say what you think. All right. Anyway, oh, uh, well, I'm asking Micah what he thinks of this. But, D, you got an update for us? Absolutely, I do here. Uh, while we've been having fun talking about Confederate Railroad and gators and all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, we have to ask Micah about Confederate Railroad. Get him on the record there. Go on. Labor oh, sucking and diving, Micah. Labor Secretary Alexander Acosta is addressing the public oh, for the first God. time since Jeffrey Epstein's arrest amid claims for his resignation. Acosta says he believed his team proceeded, quote, appropriately, but won't say whether he Harbors any regrets. Oh, man, been upset about that. Saying uh, the goal was to avoid uh, a deal allowing Epstein to, quote, walk free. Here's the rest from Acosta. Quote, we did what we did because we wanted to see Epstein go to jail. He needed to go to jail, and that was the focus. Asked during the press conference about his relationship with Trump, Acosta said that they have a good relationship, and the president has his back. Quote, my relationship with the president is outstanding. That's it. All right. Savina, your thoughts on that clarification uh, from Mr. Acosta? Um, come on. I mean, no. I, there, he, this needs to be investigated. I mean, this is not. that's not going to be enough, right? I, of course, he's going to defend himself and say what he did was appropriate. Mm-hmm. It just We just need to follow the facts. And so, uh, but I, I expect nothing <laughs> less from a member of Trump's cabinet <laughs> to deflect and deny. All right, Micah, your thoughts. Do you believe, do you agree with Acosta that he acted nobly uh, and did everything he could just to make sure Jeffrey Epstein uh, spent some time in jail, even if it was uh, jail where he got to go leave jail during the day? I've never heard of jail like that. Or do you believe that uh, he was bowing to unseen pressures and that he cut a, a favorable deal with Jeffrey Epstein that concealed the identity of all the powerful people that were part of Jeffrey Epstein's inner party go of course he was he and everybody else who was in the inner circle of so many of these rich and powerful people moved heaven and earth to try to cover up what was going on with jeffy jeffrey epstein it, it, this is not a question like how <laughs> is a question i mean it's it's a very answerable question which is yes they did do this i mean there's this whole episode is there's going to be a lot more statements like that one, people trying to wash their hands clean of everything that went on with with Jeffrey Epstein. But there's a whole lot more people who uh, have some very have some really serious questions to answer for this disgusting incident, which is really to me indicative of the kind of unaccountable power that 
billionaires and, and the ultra, other ultra rich people in our society accumulate. I mean, they just like feel like they can get away with anything, even down to the point of uh, sexually abusing uh, underage women for years. Uh, and, and underage they, women or girls? Underage, just, excuse me, underage girls. Uh, uh, they can do it for years. No, nothing happens to them. In Epstein's case, as you mentioned, he, he his time in jail was, what, six months yeah. with getting released six days a week to go to work. Was it six months? I think... Was it more? I can't remember. I don't know if he actually spent six months in jail, but I think that was what they eventually negotiated for. Uh, Young Dennis, do you have an update? Uh, I have an update on something else here. I'm looking online, and unless Micah uh, knows something else... There's still an alligator in that lagoon. He's all over this. I was out there last night. I was looking for it. Really? Yeah. I was at the lagoon. Were there people camping out? There were a ton of people out there. Everybody was talking about it everywhere you went. And everybody had their own theories. Some people said, well, I don't actually think there's one alligator. I think there's two alligators in there. I think I saw two. Like, people had all kinds of theories. I didn't get to talk to him. Apparently, this guy, Alligator Bob, out of his boat. Oh, I heard. (laughs) He's the expert. Uh, There's a very funny quote in a Block Club Chicago article where he says, you know, I think I think that thing's only like a foot or two long. And then the reporter shows him the photo, and he's clearly much bigger than one or two feet long. And he just goes, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's so country, by the way, just calling him Alligator Bob. I feel like I'm back home. I was on the both the lagoon side and the beach side, but when I was on the beach side, there were all these kids in the water. There were like maybe a dozen you know, young kids in the water. I couldn't stop thinking about the, the alligators going to come on the other side ah! and snatch one of these kids. Uh, no, it's a very, and by the way, do you have any thoughts on how the alligator got there? Well, the obvious thing is uh, somebody had an alligator as a pet and, uh, you know, dropped, dropped them off. Let them like, you know what? Of that. When I, when I, I'm from Muskegon, Michigan. I remember one time uh, when I was young, somebody was fishing and they caught a piranha in the freshwater river, which clearly had been dumped there by somebody who uh, had a pet and decided he was costing a little too much with all the food you had to feed this piranha. So I assume something similar. When your pet alligator gets to be four or five feet long, it's, it's got to go. You won't fit in a Chicago apartment. That's crazy. So have you guys ever gone to a party and I don't know, saw an alligator hanging out in Chicago? No. 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 By the way, I Ben have, and I go to the same parties, though, so yeah. nothing good happens. Yeah, nothing <laughs> interesting in my life. Although, yeah, uh, I have a very important correction I must make. Uh, I think I'm the only person who knew what I was what I was mentioning before, so I'm the only one who knows. I made oh, here mistake. comes this song again. Yep. Uh, so anyway, there's a song that I'm the only person uh, in the world that's ever heard of because it came out in the 70s. It's called Poke Salad Annie. And in that song, they say, a gator's got your granny. So whenever <laughs> I hear the, an alligator, I think of Poke Salad Annie. And I said it was the guy in uh, uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. I was wrong. Oh, wow. All right? And as Samina was ready to correct me, she was all <laughs> eager to correct me. She was, Samina was like... I was probably a, a like a child when uh, this movie came uh, out. Smokey and the Bandit? Have yeah, you ever seen Smokey and the Bandit? I know. Okay, all right. That's uh, one of the greatest movies ever made. Anyway, um, uh, uh, Burt Reynolds is in it, and the man who played the truck driver in uh, uh, Smokey and the Bandit, you should have known this young man. Jerry Reed? But, how come you didn't say that the last time I asked Kyle you? Kyle Young on the live stream oh, chat. Man. Hey, yo, Kyle. <laughs> right there, baby. Kyle's uh, a millennial who read the Mueller report on his phone. Uh, anyway, yeah, very good. Jerry Reed. And it was um, Tony Joe White who made a hit, Poke Salad Annie. And I thought it was Jerry Reed. So Samina was all set to correct me on that one. And, uh, 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 all right, Samina, before I like any time pass, I've been, 
uh, please, we had Marge Halpern here yesterday uh, talking about the rally. You talk about it as well. Yeah, just a, just a brief announcement. So, yeah, we're, we're all on the same committee working. Um, there's a, a group called PASO that's based in Melrose Park that is uh, leading the charge on this. And it is to end uh, deportation, criminalization, and um, detention. And so we are going to be rallying 11 o'clock at Daily Plaza. I'm actually also attending an event that's going to be happening at 930 at the Chicago Cultural Center that the um, Japanese American community is going to be having folks who were interned in world during World War II to speak and a rally that will lead then to Daly Plaza. So there's a lot going on. And at the march, there will be things to do, next steps. But you know, the reality is this is, we didn't get here overnight. I mean, you and I have talked about this before, and I'm sure other folks, I'm sure Marge references too, is we we have a history of bad policy, immigration policy from um, from both parties. And so um, we really need to, um, t- we need some new leadership on this. And that's where I think some of this, this back and forth between Pelosi and, and AOC is, un- unfortunately it's getting the headlines, but really underneath it was, they were fighting about this bill mm-hmm. that is a blank check um, to ICE and CBP, they just ICE just disclosed that they opened three new private prisons um, in the last couple of weeks. They are not. They're not listening. They're not. They're not. They're a rogue agency, mm-hmm. um, and they need to be stopped. And Congress should be stopping them, but they're not. So uh, I'll ask you this question, Mike. And this is you. You. You said one of the issues you want to talk about is Nancy Pelosi's uh, relationship with the younger uh, freshman congresswoman, congresswoman who are uh, Samina may have been one of those. Uh, I voted for her when she ran. I always say that, uh, and uh, who uh, are to the left of Nancy Pelosi on this issue. Do you think that Nancy Pelosi uh, and the National Democrats are um, uh, moving too far to the right on this? Yeah, they've been too far to the right on this for a very long time. In fact, the Democratic Party's repeated capitulation to the right, you know, the, the right the right says they move the goalposts, you know, 20 feet, and then the Democrats cave on 15 of those feet. I mean, that's how we got to this situation. There hasn't been a real opposition party, even now, even when we're talking about concentration camps and these horrific conditions in these uh, detention centers along the border, uh, the AOC and the, the other uh, progressive young legislators on on the Hill are the only ones who are really acting like a true opposition party who are really treating this with the kind of moral urgency that it deserves. I mean, there's lots of people who are saying these conditions are horrible. This is not who we are as a country. But in terms of real action, they are the ones who are leading the charge on this. And uh, Pelosi is still out here defending uh, the sort of Republican, the the hand wringing, the the you know giving away so much of the political space on this issue to the Republicans, and not really taking the kind of bold action that people like AOC are taking. And uh, did you think that uh, she went too far, Nancy Pelosi, with her comments to Maureen Dowd in the New York Times on Sunday? Well. I think, depending on what you mean by too far, I mean, I think she was accurately describing her worldview, which is one that is not about actually uh, affecting transformative change in society. She's sort of uh, poo-pooing the way that uh, people like AOC have gone about their time in office, which is to stake out really bold political positions to say, like, this is a moral issue. We are. Not, this is a line that we are not going to cross, and then actually not cross it. Uh, and I think... In the amount of time that that AOC and others like Rashida Tlaib uh, and Alan Omar have been in office, we've seen that that kind of uh, uh, strategy for for governing can bear enormous fruit. Think about 
a, a topic like the Green New Deal uh, or uh, or this, this this topic of concentration camps on, along the border, we are talking about this in a completely different way than we were even a few months ago mm-hmm. because these new legislators have staked out such a bold moral and bold and uncompromising moral position on these issues, and it's moved public opinion uh, very far in a very short amount of time. And so that that's that, that's not only like the moral way to do politics, but it's also a strategic one in that it gets the conversation in a, you know further pulled back further to the left in a way that Pelosi and other centrist Democrats like her haven't been able to accomplish. I mean, that's really the, the uh, what Micah was saying is really using the bully pulpit. Like you're, you have a lot of Democrats who have just been reacting. There was an article that was uh, written by Ryan Grimm uh, or an op-ed in the Washington Post. It basically has this, this graphic of um, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, um, you know, with a newspaper from uh, 1980, Reagan wins. <laughs> and it's hilarious cartoon, but we yeah. know what happened next, which yeah. is the Democrats thought, oh my God, this is, this is, I mean, we talked about this earlier, yeah. the, the concept of what happened when McGovern lost yeah. and what the Democratic Party has made it mean for so long. Yeah. And it and references the fact that, you know, the, the, the folks who are, didn't grow up uh, and, and weren't in office or weren't part of the party in 1980 don't have this this impression of like, oh, Reagan is, and, and the Republicans are, are the ones who have to set the discourse. They're saying like, like I think the term AOCM even used was buffoons. Mm-hmm. I mean, they will say and do anything, and the Democrats are afraid. They're mm-hmm. always reacting and responding and not from a position of strength. And so, you know, when... And frankly, I have my issues with Maureen Dowd. I think she's a bit of a muckraker. I don't, <laughs> I th- she's, I've heard her, I've read, read her interviews of other folks, mm-hmm. and I think she likes to stir the you know what. Yeah. So, that, but that's her, that's that's her, her persona. Thing, and so, yeah. like, and she did it. Yeah. She's successful at it. Yeah. Um, so, I'm not surprised that it's a Maureen Dowd yeah, <laughs> interview. Yeah. But I mean, but it's frankly, it's not the first time that Nancy Pelosi has gone after her. Why isn't she going after the Problem Solvers Caucus? Why isn't she going after the people who essentially made it? Uh, like impossible for her to take a more progressive well, answer stance. Your, answer your question. So, because because Nancy, I I have lots of things to say of us, but I think it's fundamentally an issue of how uh, Washington works, how the party works, which is you know the people who the Democratic Party says it wants to attract women, people of color, immigrants are there. They want to attract them as long as they don't have opinions of and think for themselves. And this is really just this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley are saying, no, 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 we are standing firm. We're even if we're the only four Democrats to vote against something, we're going to do that. We have a bright red line. We know we're not going to cross it. And we have this this moral uh, stance we're taking. I, I would rephrase it uh, to say the opinions starkly different than the ones that you hold or the ones that you feel uh, are uh, acceptable. Because I think Lauren Underwood, who has opinions of her own, and, and she's not afraid to speak up her opinions, their her just opinions are closer to where Nancy Pelosi is. So I wouldn't denigrate like everybody who's not one of those four uh, by saying they don't have opinions of their own. I have this thought. Uh, the first time I met you, you were on my old radio show at least twice. Let's not talk about yeah. that. <laughs> and you were running for Congress. And I I always t- say that was one of the best uh, congressional campaigns that I've ever seen in terms of how you, you stood by, uh, you ran on issues. Uh, and you didn't make it about personalities or anything like that. Um, let's say you won. All right. 
and uh, like Chicago was as uh, liberal or uh, progressive, whatever the word is, as uh, Queens. And uh, you were in there. You would be one of those rookies. Yeah. And and you would be part of that group. How would you uh, be dealing with Nancy Pelosi? Yeah. So I think um, going in, <laughs> I think about this because I feel like what what needs to happen is this is it's, it's ugly it's like it, it's in some ways and i know this is not actually the style that nancy pelosi likes he does she doesn't like to have these sort of family disputes out in front but in some ways she's creating them she's causing them right rashida Tlaib, ayanna presley ilan omar and aoc have actually been very respectful of the speaker when they were asked about her. I've seen AOC asked and she's been egged on by reporter after reporter. Like they, they want her to go after her and mm-hmm. she won't take the bait. And you remember back when there was the challenge to Nancy Pelosi's right? leadership, AOC tweeted that she would be voting right. for Pelosi because there was no more progressive alternative. So she was supportive publicly. Right, mm-hmm. but I, what I would have said is that it, going in to get that vote, I would have asked for a little bit more. And I would also probably had some kind of rules of engagement. Um, and, and I think that's, I think what we're seeing right now is, and we've been seeing it for several years, a little bit is the creative destruction of the Democratic leadership and the Democratic Party, is that you have people who are the base, who are coming in and they're speaking, speaking up. And AOC essentially is become our de facto spokesperson, right, for the base of the party. And she's speaking truth to power. And there's a lot of people who look at Democrats and Republicans in Washington. They say they're two wings of the same party mm-hmm. because they're both controlled by money. And like that, that is something that it was going to be painful regardless of who won, regardless of who got there, because they are, like you said, they're coming in with a stance that is dramatically different. And I honestly, I can't, I, I can't ignore the fact that these are four women of color. Mm-hmm. I, I, as a woman of color myself, and as also as a Muslim woman of color, I have, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very sensitive. Rashida Tlaib was on, I think, CNN over the weekend, and I think she was almost in tears saying, like, Nancy Pelosi should be honoring the fact that we are bringing this perspective that, frankly, has never been here before. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ilhan Omar is a refugee, you know? I mean, Rashida Tlaib is Palestinian. Like, these are perspectives that we have never had before. And we keep talking about, oh, the Democratic Party is the party that stands with immigrants, the Big Ten Party. But you're attacking the very people you claim to stand with. And that is, that's really the, the, the issue. And there's every, and I saw, I would draw, I guess, a bright line between those four and the other people of color, other women of color in the in the caucus, because I think they're taking a stance which they know is scary and is hard, because they're saying, we know what we believe, and we actually think we, we do have public sentiment, not public whatever, mm-hmm. public sentiment behind us. Yeah. And that's that last point about public sentiment is important. Right? I think both that there is already existing public sentiment in favor of many of these progressive ideals that, that many centrist Democrats want to pretend doesn't already exist, but you have that on the one hand. On the other hand, they clearly believe that you shouldn't just couch out whatever public opinion is right now. If you take those strong moral stances and don't compromise on them uh, in public, you can actually create more energy on your side. You can bring people over to you because they because you take that stance and you, and you don't compromise. And so there's both already existing progressive sentiment and sentiment that can be won over if you are willing to take those kinds of bold stances. And that is what the AOC and the squad, as I think they were called uh, right. in the New York Times article, that's what they are doing. And it is working. 
And they're also, you know, really pulling back the curtain on all the the really things that go on in Washington. Even remember when they had their orientation and they were at Harvard and all the, they're like, why is this lobbyist? I mean, they're asking sort of like, I'm new here. Why is this happening? Yeah. Kind of questions, which are smart, but they're saying them out loud yeah. on TV and in social media. And and by doing that, exposing uh, practices that go on that people don't want you to know about that is, uh, we'll be right back with Samina uh, and Micah after this. Today's Ben Jaromsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. See the city from a whole new angle on a Chicago Architecture Center tour. With more than 85 tours to choose from, there are endless stories to discover. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm on a tour. Oh my, what magnificent architecture. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash IL resident. Walking tours are awesome. Today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by Green Element Resale. It's located at 6241 North Broadway in Chicago. And guys, it's badass furniture, appliances, lamps, books, clothes, electronics, it's a thrift shop, but it's the only thrift shop in Chicago that helps bring you the Ben Jarofsky show. So if you're ever on Broadway between Granville and Devon, tell them thank you and go check out Green Element Resale, 6241 North Broadway, and find more information at greenelementresale.com. Green Element Resale, go there and save tons of money. All right. Another thing we want to tell you too, our friends and co-hosts at the Chicago sun times are offering you. Yes. You, the listener, an exclusive deal on unlimited digital access to all of the stories you love. Unlock every feature video and podcast, just like the Ben Jarofsky show by signing up now for a digital subscription for a limited time. Only you can test out digital access for only $1. Seriously. $1 price of a chicken sandwich at McDonald's. Not the best chicken sandwich, the cheap one, but still a dollar. There's no reason to not give it a shot. Stay up to date on breaking stories. Get the deep dives and investigations from Sun-Times reporters. Cheer for the big games with the best sports team in the city and go deep inside City Hall with the best in-class political reporting. One dollar for your first month. You really can't do better than that. Unless it's like 50 cents, then it's a little better, but I don't think that'll happen. So one dollar, it's pretty awesome. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, take us home. All right, that super cool music means the end of a super cool show. Not over yet. Still have Samina and Mike in the studio. In fact, as a matter of fact, you know who's playing the piano there, don't you? That's Samina. Whoa. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, that girl can play the piano. You know, in my my time with Confederate Railroad. (laughs) Samina playing with Confederate Railroad. There goes goes my my political career. Right. I don't know. Maybe you can run downstate now. Who knows? Uh, And uh, all right. I hear some state state senate opening. Uh, yes, you can uh, run. No, I'm not even going to say it. All right, D. Uh, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do a segment of the show. Remember that segment of the show? Oh, it's a fantastic segment yes. on our program. It's where we give our uh, intern editor, Leah, 
the spotlight mm-hmm. because yeah, we can't pay her, you know, but she shows up every day. She does a great job. So we're giving her her own segment. We call it Leah's Last Word. <laughs> oh, hello. Hi. Um, my question is, in your opinion, why have issues like immigration and when have they became um, when have they become so polarizing and why? So that's a great question, Leah. Um, I think this is, um, it's actually, when you ask people, like in that article you sent me this morning, the New York Times article, people actually have a very, the, a majority, a vast majority of people actually feel, don't have the xenophobia. They're not like, I'm scared of immigrants or immigrants are, are the source of all of our problems. I think what you have, though, is really a decades-long strategy amongst Republicans that, you know, is essentially an extension of the Southern strategy to use uh, people of color, immigrants, refugees, as this, like, you know, what's the, what's the, there's a metaphor that I'm looking for, and I'm sure Mike and Ben will think of it, but basically as, um, as what, uh, a whipping boy. Um, for every problem instead of actually being accountable for the things that they are responsible for. So I think this has been uh, a case of like, we have no place for discourse. Um, the fact that Donald Trump is our president is a perfect illustration of that. Um, and we're, we're not, we don't have people, enough people who are willing to say to call BS for lack of a better word. And that's what's actually so powerful about the squad is they're saying, nope. The squad. The squad. The squad. The four. The four. Yeah, no, no, I know, but it's just funny. I mean, it's, it, for, it, I could say AOC, Eleanor, Rashida Tlaib. No, I know, but who gave him the name? Was that? Was, you know what? I don't know who gave him that. Was I don't that know Pelosi? If, I don't know. I don't think, no, I don't think Pelosi gave it. It might have been Maureen Dowd. I don't know. Okay. I actually don't know. But you I'm saying. You can say it as long as you pronounce it the squad. Okay. I th- they're saying, they're calling the GOP and the Democrats on their BS and saying, you know, no, this is not actually what people believe. This is, you know, kind of fits your frame. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Koch brothers (laughs) and they're that um, the John, all these, these right wing massive propaganda machine for decades that has been feeding racism, Islamophobia. There's literally probably billions of dollars that have been spent on that. Yeah, this is a strategy that's time tested that can be used. You know, you can uh, say that the reason that our we are having the problems in the country that we have are because of all of these dang immigrants instead of the like you know trillion dollar plus tax cut to the rich that Trump is giving away. But uh, you know, to echo something I said earlier, I think that it really obviously the Republicans are going to uh, take up this strategy that they as. Uh, Samir mentioned the the southern. It's just sort of like the the southern strategy in terms of using uh, race and trying to whip up a kind of racist white base of their party. But the real shame uh, is the Democratic Party capitulating to that stuff. I mean, you know, you remember uh, under Bill Clinton, you know, right around the time he passed NAFTA, he also um, helped uh, really significantly militarize the U.S. border that in a way that resulted in huge numbers of deaths along the border every year. So the Democrats have been complicit in this. And if we're going to stop this kind of rabid, uh, openly racist, openly anti-immigrant stuff that the Republican Party is doing, we have to call out the people in the Democratic Party who are failing to adequately confront that radical right-wing anti-immigrant and racist agenda. Um, So how do you think that um, politicians can depolarize 
that issue? Is it just simply by calling out people in the Democratic Party or uh, are there other methods? I don't think it's depolarizing. I think it's uh, extra polarizing. I mean, I think it's drawing very clear lines is precisely what we've been talking about. Like we, we don't we don't need to try to get to some sort of bipartisan uh, agreement on on the border. Like it's clear that the Republican Party is going to continue to push this this sort of hyper border militarization and really doesn't care if there are these concentration camps on the border with with really like inhumane, just barbaric conditions. They don't care about that. So we need to polarize that further. And that is exactly what, you know, trips to the border, like those that, that AOC and some parts of the squad were uh, were taking. They were, they were further, further polarizing. And they weren't polarizing it less. They were polarizing it more. And they were pointing to, the, to what they saw there and saying, I, you know, this is a moral travesty we can't stand for it in a way that the rest of their party was not doing. I also think that this approach has to be multi-pronged. It's you know it's an, it's not enough to have the squad speaking out. Uh, I think about uh, something that has having some been who is a creative person of having been in comedy. A lot of people were talking about how you know say like Muslims could use like a modern family type moment like the 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 impact of a show like that on the issues of like marriage equality lgbtq issues like those sorts of um i don't know how to use it like you know kind of like after school special type um things actually have a huge impact on how people because it sort of humanizes people so i can't i i don't want to ignore um you know it's not just politics is people have to feel they have to, and so part of it is talking, having one-on-one, it's not easy, it's not like, you know, it's not an easy answer. But I remember actually having a conversation in the last month with somebody who used the term illegals. And I, I had to say like, no, that's not right. And I, I kind of walked through it. And I think this was a, a moment where it, I took the time. I wasn't like, oh, this is, I didn't say, oh, you're stupid, you're wrong, you're, you're a terrible person, I'm just gonna write you off. I had the conversation. It's an uncomfortable conversation to have, no doubt. But it is gonna be that sort of slow person-to-person conversation, but I also think there's a role for um, for things like the arts, and, and that's why it's, to me, it's also really important. You don't have representation in Congress, you don't have representation on in, in the media, I mean, you don't have representation in um, in the arts, in, in TV and film. And this is why things like When They See Us are, are so powerful, the Ava DuVernay film on uh, Netflix. And that's the kind of stuff that gets people to realize, oh my God, I didn't know this was happening. And that's part of what we need on this issue. We need more of that, not less of it. Uh, well, part of the problem, of course, is that, uh, I was just looking if you had something else to say, Leah. Uh, part of the problem is that uh, so much of the conversation is just Democrats talking to each other. So, for instance, uh, like people who watch uh, the documentary that you just alluded to, I just blanked on the name. When they see us. When they see us. Uh, it's just people probably who already would be sensitive to the issue or remember uh, the case of the Central Park Five, you know, Uh, people like myself who are old enough to remember that and uh, would be sympathetic. Uh, People like Monroe who would be sympathetic and remember, you understand what I'm saying? So you're not reaching, this is part of the problem. But that's why the individual conversations, and I do think it's not, uh, you know, when they see us might be a, like a, an example that you don't see, but I think she got a number of 23 million people had downloaded or viewed um, the Netflix series. And so there are, I, I, we, we make a lot of assumptions about people. And I, I think we have to um, not assume that people are living in a binary, 
because people have interactions. They may come away with different beliefs. Like mm-hmm. the person I'm referring to is somebody who has, I've had a relationship and I have, I've, I feel like I can trust them on, on a lot of issues. But when they said this one word, I was like, oh, I didn't expect that to come out of your yeah. mouth. So that's what I'm saying. Like there, there is this instinct. I know there, and I feel it myself. When someone says something offensive, there is this urge to say like, go away, you racist piece of garbage. But I'm also like, I don't want you to go away and get more radicalized because it's what's happening. You are going away, getting more radicalized and you're shooting up synagogues and mosques and whatever. I mean, like that's, it's, it's going to be painful. It's just going to be painful. And it's going to be one conversation at a time. And these moments, yeah. like a modern family to me is a perfect example of that. By the way, uh, Donald Trump uses the phrase illegal aliens all the time. He tweets it out. And uh, I have this feeling, uh, Micah, that at some point at a debate, Trump will use it when he's one-on-one with it, whoever the Democratic nominee is. And that'll be a real big moment for the Democrat. You know, does he or she ignore it? Uh does he or she confront it? You know, I mean, that'd be a, a, a significant moment on this debate alone. Yeah. And whoever that ends up being needs to be ready for that. and needs to be ready to robustly, you know, condemn that kind of language and, and, and affirm uh, that they stand for the rights of undocumented immigrants and immigrants of all kinds, because, uh, you know, <laughs> we've been talking about the way that the that some of the Democratic some in the Democratic Party have not uh, taken clear stance. They've given away a lot to the Republican Party. That has never been the strategy of Trump. Trump has always gone to you know a hundred plus on whatever issue it is he's 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 arguing over, and it's worked well for him. He's shifted the discourse uh, very very far to the right. Certainly on this issue on immigration, he's uh, you know with just incredible levels of dehumanization that are that are commonplace at this. point point uh and how we talk about immigration so i think whoever the nominee ends up being will have to be ready to really take him on on that issue and not let him get away with that kind of dehumanization all right mike now since you mentioned that uh the debates were last week and samina was on a part of our post debate panel was a blast uh breaking down the debates did you i presume as a you watched the debates am i correct that last week was it was it two, two, two weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah. God, I lost a week. <laughs> it was that 4th of July, man. Uh, all right, so two weeks ago. And uh, so uh, what's your uh, sort of vibe at, coming out of that debate? Do you think the Democrats can win this election? Do you think there's a candidate that uh, uh, really emerged from those debates as somebody you would want to champion or want to see uh, push ahead? Well, you know who my, my champion is. And your boy, Bernie. It's Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I, I, and I can't complain. I can't. Pretend, though, that he was the standout candidate during that second debate. Of course, he was not the big moment that everybody was talking about was Kamala Harris, uh, who I think rightfully called out Joe Biden. But um, I think that in on both days, many of the candidates were speaking uh, in the language of Bernie Sanders. They were championing the kinds of issues that Bernie Sanders has brought to the center of the Democratic Party. Even on the, the, the first debate, he wasn't on stage, but you know, you heard even like Elizabeth Warren said at some point, like I'm with Bernie on this issue, talking about healthcare. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't there. So yeah. you know, his his he's, yeah. he was he was not the standout candidate uh, when he was on stage, but clearly his uh, his campaign and and the people like AOC and the others in the squad and and people in Chicago and the city council and all over the country, uh, they've taken that agenda and really run with it. Um, so I think you know the the, uh, the 
what what is the, it's expected of Democratic candidates has really just transformed very rapidly. And not to say the same thing again, but it's really a testament to that kind of uncompromising uh, political style that uh, I think is is necessary for us to get out of the kind of hellhole that we're currently in in terms of reactionary politics. It's putting forward that kind of bold politics uh, from the left. And that, that's what will win. So certainly against someone like Trump. I mean, like we, uh, the other side of this, of course, is that we tried the opposite in 2016, yeah. right? The whole argument for Hillary Clinton was that uh, she could win. She, you know, maybe we're not happy as progressives, as liberals, as socialists like me with what she is arguing for, but she's the only one who can be Trump. And of course, that turned out not to be true. So I think this time around, we'd be wise to not make that mistake again and try to choose someone who's just trying to be all things to all people at once without taking those kinds of bold stances. Samina, have you any new thoughts about the debates? Since well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, Biden is now being sort of counseled to yeah. punch back yeah. at Kamala Harris. And so, which I think is going to be a disaster uh-huh. because um, <laughs> yeah. black women are the base of the Democratic yeah. Party. Do not, I mean, whether it's right or wrong or it's her prosecutorial record, whatever it is, yeah. Yeah, get, that's not a good look, but you know, yeah. you're already being attacked as being a racist and you're going to attack a black woman. Come yeah. on. But here's the thing. I think what was, it, it's interesting that he finally apologized. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I didn't actually see what Kamala Harris's response was, but he, you know, he went after Cory Booker too. And Cory Booker has this, uh, I think he really aspires to be a preacher one day because yeah. he's like, you know, he's like, oh, I really appreciate it. He was very dramatic. It was very like, yeah. you know, um, intense response. But I mean, I think that's one of those things where you could have really avoided all of this yeah. by saying, you know what? I made a mistake. I shouldn't have worked on that. I shouldn't have worked with those guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and not say it's a different time or, or double down on it. it well, but, but that's uh, that's really yeah. I mean, that's like real. He, I know he has advisors who um, are, you know, actually, I think Simone Sanders was on Bernie Sanders team last time. Yeah. And for to see her and the whole crew try to like literally the like the the hijinks, like the, it was bizarre mm-hmm. to see what they were doing. And it, it still continues. It's like, no, he is. He is out of touch, and it's like we don't need us like a sort of a warm, cuddly version of Trump. We don't. We don't need. <laughs> That's what he's. He. Warm. We don't. We don't need a warm, yeah. cuddly Trump. Yeah. Well, I think that um, warm, you know, cuddly Trump. You're right that uh, any attempt to for him to to push back against Harris is is not going to end well for him. But I also think that Harris herself is open to. Not the same critiques against Biden because Biden's record is kind of unique. Like, I don't think Harris has in her past any speeches like talking about her segregationist friends who she used to hang out with and get things done with. Uh, so she's done anything like that. But her record as a prosecutor in California is one that has a lot of that same sort of old, old, uh, more law and order style uh, democratic uh, approach to politics that she's going to be like if she dispenses with Joe Biden because he has such a bad record on these questions, then the spotlight will well, come. Well, to somebody her. will probably and I'm already looking forward to the July. 30th and 31st debates. I can't wait, but someone will probably go hard at her right. uh, from the left on that issue and would be curious to see. And one thing I learned about Kamala Harris from this last debate, she prepares, she does her homework in that regard. She is a prosecutor because they, you know, when they're going on a trial, they got to prepare for everything. And so my guess is she's already figured out what her response will be when let's say she's on the, on the stage with who would be, who would be the person's, uh, 
make a prediction, Samina. Who would come at her hard from the left, uh, sensing it as his or her opportunity to uh, advance? I would say Castro would be the person just uh, popped into my mind. Uh, your boy de Blasio might be the one who would do it. Samina, huge boy, fan. My, <laughs> just, my, my boy Bill. Uh, yeah, I'm just, that's interesting because I, I think... She, I think it will be a lesser candidate. Let me put it that oh, way. Absolutely. It will be a, yeah, a yeah. candidate who, um, yeah. I don't think Castro, uh, he's, I don't think he's as, as far left as, I mean, he's, he has, has but he's got to do something to get, get oh, yeah. you know. Yes. But he, but, and he but, did that on the, um, the question of decriminalizing yeah. unauthorized entities. But he went after Beto. Beto. Right. So he was Beto trying to was knock like, Beto he, out. which I think, you know, just, just let's, let's check in a couple yeah. weeks. I mean, that was, he, uh, no, he I, it wasn't a mortal out. wound, but it was a wound. Yeah. You know what? I'll tell you how bad it was as a wound. And it's just me. Uh, I think it was Marge Halpern yesterday's show was running through the candidates and she was, she mentioned O'Rourke. And I, I, I didn't know who O'Rourke was. <laughs> I, I, I actually, like, I actually, O'Rourke? I know, I was actually trying not to use, I was like Robert Francis O'Rourke. I was like, you know, yeah. it's his name. He's it not. It is his name. But yeah, I, it's his you name. You know, I'd like, O'Rourke? Who's O'Rourke? It's yeah. Beto. Oh, yeah. Oh, Beto. Yeah. yeah. That's what I forgot. Yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. We're running out of time here. Uh, Samina and Micah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Monroe Anderson earlier in the show was fired up as always. And uh, Leah, you did an outstanding job. Yeah, good question. Thank Ooh. you. Yeah. yeah. And I, I thought you had a follow-up to the follow-up, and uh, but no apparent. Uh, you when did. are you going to have the Leah show? When are you going to yeah. have the whole show? The whole Leah show? Yeah. I don't know. That's a good idea. I'm saying. Uh, you want to do it next Friday? She's like, okay. <laughs> All right. We got Heidi Henry coming in. We got Doris Davenport coming in this Friday, not next Friday. Yeah. It's going to be a great show. Uh, no, Leah knows her are stuff. Are you ready for this or did I just throw you under the bus? Yeah, you did throw her under the bus. Uh, <laughs> She knows her stuff. You'd be surprised, but she's only like you're what, ready. You're ready. I bl- or whatever, no, I bl- nineteen. No, no. She knows so much stuff from the seventies. No, no. It kind you're of ready. scares me. See, this not this is women supporting women. Come on, let's do All this. All right, let's go, <laughs> Leah. Right now, close out. You know how I close it, don't you? Yeah, call me White Lightning. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> do do the clo- Can you do the close? Really, close on the thing. All right, here's how we go. Uh, and I want to thank uh, uh, Micah, and I want to thank Samina and Monroe Anderson. I want to thank Leah, and of course, the man behind the board. The man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. And Micah, you know what they call him down in Micah. That, uh, it's a white lightning. White lightning. Yeah, and hey, we have an update, uh, by the way. Well, it's not. I, I refreshed and checked Chicago Sun-Times. There's still an alligator <laughs> in that lagoon. You know what? You need the Jaws music. Yeah. We would right. get that's sued. That's probably copied. That's yeah, copied. Yeah, yeah. We would get sued. Where's the sometimes uh, legal lawyers? budget? Yeah. I don't know. I want Ben out there in a boat trying yeah. to catch yeah. get on the <laughs> boat. Uh, by the way, uh, <laughs> Alligator Bob will be on the show next week. Oh, no. Don't no, tease me. Don't, don't tease. Oh, my God. He would be so. Yeah. He would, I, have you met him? No, but I saw him. Like okay. a picture of him, and I saw like a quote of him. Like this guy's like it's. Uh, well, uh, my theory is that his first name is Alligator. Anyway, um, his last name is Bob. So anyway, one more time, Doctor D, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Hey, and remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com forward slash Jarofsky, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. 
Downloaders, you know we live stream this program, right? Yeah, it's true. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time. Chicago.suntimes.com forward slash Jarofsky. ChicagoReader.com and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. Check it out. Join us on the live stream. Weigh in. It's always a fun time. Check us out on social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. See you tomorrow. Prime Minister of New Zealand, who said that her goal is to make New Zealand the place where it's the best place in the world for a child to grow up. And I will tell her girlfriend you are so on, because the United States of America is going to be the best place in the world for a child to grow up.